to a brand new episode of Third Degree Burn. We have most of the Burn crew here today. I, of course, am Tim Elliott. I have Brian Hughes. Hey! John Hyatt. Hey there, everyone. <laughs> and our local weatherman, Kurt Greenfield. Boy, it's hot here. <laughs> it's hot is, that, is that your official diagnosis for the weather that Kurt? Yeah, I don't know if they're going to call me in to work tonight. We've lost another uh, another staff member, so we've got to get into these books. Let's All go. Right. All right, yeah. we are kind of. This is kind of an epic show because we have decided that we are going to. This is this is Kirk's suggestion. We're going to cover cover the champions of John Burns' run. That's about six issues. So we're going to do a little quicker review than normal. We're not going to go page by page. So this is going to be more of like a speed round uh, for these, but. I have to ask, uh, of all of us, I know I've already said this, I have never read these issues before. Has anybody else, did they may read these off the rack or have previous experience with them? Yes. I have flipped through them, but I have no strong memories of them, except for my first impression when I saw a, a champion's book on the shelf. And basically, I was like, who asked for this team? <laughs> you know, not, not to be insulting, but that's what formed in my mind. It's like, what's the combination? What's what's the common thread? It, you know, it was a blank, so I did not pay attention to it. Does that you, John? Did you say you had read these? I did. Yeah, I um, I actually started with Champions fourteen off the rack, and then I worked my way back and got the rest of the issues. Uh, at some point in my young career, my young life, uh, and read them, and I love them. Um, I think sometimes older people put too much um, thought into why something is and don't just enjoy it for what it is. Because <laughs> I thought yeah. it was great. You know, I love seeing, I didn't care why they were together or what their connection was. They were. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I, you know, got to see Iceman and Angel again. And I loved the Black Widow character. And um, when Black Goliath came in, I thought that was really a cool addition. So. Yeah, uh, and Darkstar, I loved. I liked the character of Darkstar as well. So it was kind of fun to see them working that um, the Russian agents, you know, escaping the Cold War and uh, the USSR and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. I had fun with it. I was disappointed when they canceled it. Well, yeah, the champions were as as Burn termed it. They were the team. They called the champions everybody who's left. <laughs> And uh, I mean, it's just that's what it was. It was like, let's get a group together. But I think we forget 
what it's like to be in that what I call the comic book sweet spot, that age of eight years old till about 14 or 15. And, you know, when you're sitting there and you're looking at comics, you're looking at I mean, you can see, oh, there's Captain America. But here's a book with a whole bunch of characters. Look, it's got Hercules, Black Widow, Iceman, Angel, Johnny Blaze. You know, you're sitting there going, wow, look at all these characters in the book. What do you think was that? what that it was that made Secret Wars sell so well? A kid had a choice between buying Spider-Man or a book with all these heroes and villains in it. And so when, when like, Secret Wars came out, we saw Secret Wars sales boomed. But the sales on all the other books all dipped a little bit. And that's why. Is because those kids were going to go for something that's got a whole bunch in it. So they go with the psychology of that. They, they knew that even before Secret Wars. They go with the psychology of that and they put a team together. And the, the thing was, one of the, one of the reasons that they put Johnny Blaze in there was they thought that he would help the book sales. Because the, the Ghost Rider series would not die it had this incredible built-in audience that nobody could explain it was like bikers or 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 somebody else was buying these books this book that they thought nobody would buy i would see that as yeah i could see ghostwriters being more of a an adult book that kids may not want or or if you start out reading kind of because this wasn't really you know ghostwriters not really superhero stuff it's and i was like you brian i'm surprised at how long so much of that stuff that started in the seventies when they like they kind of changed the code and they could do more of the horror books and and yeah. that came out of the you know that was all that satanic stuff of Son of Satan and Ghost Rider and uh, the Frankenstein book was out and, and Werewolf by Night those that ran for so long almost into the to the eighties I think or the early eighties when you think they would have been more of just in the early seventies. I mean, there was there was a market that they that they recognized and were able to capitalize on for a while, and I think part of that also kind of melds into that that older crowd that bought magazines like Creepy and mm-hmm. you know Vampirilla and such the Warren the Warren Publishing uh, comics, which I don't know if you guys saw when I put out a couple weeks ago. Um, the the entire archive of all the Warren Publishing books is available out there for free. Is that archive.org? So uh, I believe so. Yeah. So you can read any of those books. It's just uh, uh, just uh, an incredible library of stuff. And, you know, you see the just beautiful black and white artwork of all, all this stuff. And of course, you know, a lot of it is very, very adult oriented. Yeah. Uh, really cool stuff. Oh, yeah. I should shut up and let us continue on here. You might even, say you might sorry, even say that Champions was the forerunner for West Coast Avengers, because what was West Coast yeah. Avengers? Yeah. Uh, leftover avengers <laughs> so well and it was also that it covered you know that's a good point john because if this is the first time i think that they've had the west coast kind of represented by team everything else is based in new york yeah because uh, the only only west coast hero i knew of was iron man right I, right right yeah. and he had come yeah you know, he had he had been there well I, I, and from reading some of this it seems like blaze is kind of was based uh, i haven't read enough ghostwriter to know i thought he was always kind of uh, out in the southwest somewhere, you know, riding around. But it seems like he was based more of L.A. Uh, than anywhere else. I think it was kind of like the Hulk. Yeah, the Hulk was always, you know, or hanging around the southwest. Yeah. All right, we want to get into, and obviously while we're covering this, because Byrne came on, and the first issue we're going to cover is issue 11, which is his first uh, work. 
Uh, and he goes on, he covers, he actually draws five issues and inks one. So we've got six issues to cover. And he kind of sees the, the series out. It, it, it ends at uh, issue 17. But All right, issue 11, Champions, uh, is entitled The Shadow from the Stars. And our writer is Bill Mantlo. Our artist is introducing John Byrne. Our anchor is Bob Layton. Color is Don Warfield. Our letter is uh, Bruce Patterson. And our cover art is by Gil Kane and Bob Layton. And our, art, our editor is Archie Goodwin. We've got a cover date of February 1977, a sale date of November 16th, 1976. Uh, 30 cents with 32 pages, 17 uh, story. Uh, other burn work that I could find at this time was he did Iron Fist number 11 of Fine Days Dying. So he's kind of doing Iron Fist at the same time. I think throughout these runs, he's also doing some Marvel team up. It, it'll be interesting to both this issue of Iron Fist and the Champions is issue 11. 11. And watch yeah. those issue counts as you go through the various months as he's, it, both these books are published. Because it's like scattershot. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, Okay, well, our roster is, and that, I'm going to give a real quick quick uh, background on the champions from just from, this is coming from the wiki, that they basically formed by, they all were at uh, UCLA for various reasons. Bad guy shows up, they fight the bad guy, and then from that they decide, hey, let's be a team. It was, um, so that's the... it was a trap to get uh, Venus. So it was one of the Greek gods... Uh, was yeah, it was Hades that that uh, you right. know, basically the Greek Loki? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so so like you know Loki helped form the Avengers. Hades forms Hades forms the champions. Yeah, and on our champions roster is Angel from the X Men, Black Widow, Dark Star who joined the team, I think this issue, Ghost Rider, Hercules, and Iceman also from the X Men. And our story goes a little something like. The champions lose control of their new aircraft, but are helped to, to a safe landing by the craft designer Bill Foster, a.k.a. Black Goliath. They find that the contractor they hired to build the craft used cheaper materials than the champions paid for. Before they can deal with that, their computer disaster scan picks up news of UFO sighting and riding ranchers near the Mesa of Lost Souls in the Arizona desert. There, Ghost Rider had already met up with Hawkeye, and the two-gun kid to address the problem. They soon realize the rioters are being controlled through their shadows by invaders from invaders of Warlord Ka? Ka. Ka. The rest of the champions arrive, and they try various methods to uh, counter the shadow people, finding that Darkstar's powers have no effect whatsoever, and even Hercules can be possessed. However, when Ka attempts to possess Angel... He flies high into the air until his shadow shrinks and disappears, taking Ka with it. The alien's mothership and the remaining shadow people are destroyed when Hawkeye shoots a hellfire charge arrow into the ship's entry hatch. Just as the battle, just as the battle ends and Hawkeye and the two-gun kid uh, depart, the champions get a call from Goliath that the stilt man is attacking his lab, looking for a mysterious box that once belonged to the stranger. To be continued. Well, the so art that, doesn't look bad. I've been flipping through it as you've been reading. I I kind of think that the art, um, and I, I 
I've been looking around um, and and asking about if anybody has seen original penciled pages, um, not the finished pages, but the penciled pages of of Burns' work here. And I'm I, I'm really anxious to see that because I feel like this is art light compared to his other stuff that we've seen uh, in Iron Fist uh, that we'll see in Marvel Team Up, which happens around the same time. You'll see you know other issues and things. And, you know, Bob Layton, of course, inks this, uh, all, the, all the issues that Byrne does here, uh, Bob Layton inks, and a year later, he would do the Hulk Annual 7, which you have to recognize that the art in that is, is like 10 times superior to what we're seeing here. It's like something is cut out. There's, there's no real backgrounds on a lot of the art here. It's almost like uh, they're told to, to I, I don't know, you could say keep it cheap. Or if there was a lower page rate or, or what, but there just seems to be something missing from these. And that carries through all the issues. That being said, the layouts are beautiful. The, the double page spreads look really, really good. But there's something generic about it. I don't know if I'm going to 100% agree with you that it's generic, Brian. I, I do believe this is kind of not a fully baked burn. You mm-hmm. say... You see uh, aspects that would become what we could think of as burn at his peak, which is, I would say, X Men that 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 era. But you see part of it; it he's getting there. There's some of it that's not quite resolved. I mean, I think the tech comes off nice, but I think that some of that is from Bob Layton because Layton, I've always felt, has always been great with doing kind of that slick, high tech look that he did with Iron Man. And I think it complements because Burns' tech is the same way. I think I think Leighton kind of complements that. Uh, there's, I mean, I think some of the like the stampede scene. That's some some nice background when Ghost Rider's kind of um, being att- attacked by the cows. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> three cows shot me down. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Brian, I I kind of have to disagree with you too. I don't think the artwork is on the cheap. I mean, um. Well, you know, the thing is, if you compare the artwork in this to the artwork in, say, Iron Fist 11, which was inked by Dan Adkins, um, I mean, you can sit there, you can see the similarities between the two, but at the same time, the the artwork in there is, it looks more more complete to me. This is just to me. This is my opinion. Now, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. I get your opinion. I just, you know, I don't... Again, my opinion is born of what I've been reading it from. And I've been reading it from the om- omnibus and even looking at the digital copy. But when I went back, and, and that was part of why I, I dug through my collection. If y'all uh, don't know, before we started the show, we were kind of uh, having a little <laughs> webcam uh, thing. And I was showing how I would pulled out almost my entire collection of uh, long and short boxes looking for the champion's issues. And I've got uh, one of them here that I, that I pulled out, which is issue 15, and that's one of the Swarm issues. And I got to say that the issue in print looks so much better than the digital copy um, that we see there and kind of what we see in the um, the omnibus. I've gone back and forth on the omnibus and the way it's done it because there's some things that look better and some things that look worse. But, I mean, it's just... Again, this is an opinion, and I, I just compare it to the other things I've seen of the day, and it's just 
missing a little something. And it's hard to hard to say. It seems to be more of a background thing than anything. Where in the other books, we're getting a lot more backgrounds. Here, we're getting solid color backgrounds. Uh, it's early in his career. He probably had more time to work on Iron Fist than, you know, adding two or three books to his schedule. You know, he was, you know. Yeah, and again, I don't know that it's Byrne. I, I, I mean, you know, sitting there looking at, at what he did with Leighton in the Hulk Annual 7, you know, we definitely see that, that something has changed. Uh, in the way that Leighton is doing his inks there. Um, you know, here you don't see much of a use of Zipatone at all. You know, that and in, in, in the later issues, Zipatone is, is one of uh, Leighton's biggest art components uh, on, on virtually anything that he inks. So, you know, it, it's a maturation. Now, Layton and Byrne both started at Charlton Comics together, so they'd known each other for a, a, a while, it seems. Um, but I, I don't know, you know, how well they, they did get along if they did. I can see some Zipatone in here, in, like in the mountain scenes, especially with the uh, the shadow people. He uses Zipatone in there. But again, I'm not saying it's bad art. I'm just saying it's not you know, up to the quality of what we've seen in the other books, especially what the books that are out at that time. Iron Fist versus the Wrecking Crew is out at that time. That And that right there is just a spectacular uh, issue. Great art. Just uh, every panel filled with uh, incredible detail. And that's something that's missing here. You know, there, there there's, I, I don't know how else to describe it. Maybe, maybe one of the listeners could, uh, you know, if they if they understand what I'm trying to say, <laughs> find a way of uh, articulating what I'm not. And I'll shut up now. Before we leave this book, it's not burn artwork, but if we look at the cover, there's a little couple of Easter eggs that I wanted to point out. Oh, yeah. You've got uh, the Iceman hanging on the bottom of the craft and just to his to the left of him. You have the names of two shops. One is called Shooter, and the other one is called Stern. <laughs> yeah. Jim Shooter and uh, Roger Stern. Although neither are credited in the story with having any role in this at all. Well, no, Archie Goodwin at that time was the editor-in-chief. So, you know, Shooter was doing, you know, stuff in the background. I don't know what his, his responsibilities were then. I know he was writing, and he actually did some art. Um. But I think that was that was actually later. And look so at the I, little sign in between that. I wonder if that's a little. Uh, what does it say? Girls go go. Oh. Well, now we know why shooters there. <laughs> I thought it was gas gas up something, but that's a Gil Kane cover. Yeah. And uh, I mean, just a, a fantastic cover with uh, with Giant Man. You definitely get a sense of. Um, the scale and the largest of, of uh, sorry, Black Goliath. Um, just, and then, of course, that's something that, that Byrne also carries into the, the book itself, is that he was one of the, one of the artists um, of this era that was actually able to make the giant characters look giant, giant compared to the other ones. Um, not everybody was really adept at doing that. Yeah. So just some things here. I, I loved um, the introduction of Bill Foster and as Black Elias. This was really cool. And uh, I think the uh, pages 
I don't know what page it is because I'm reading it from a trade. So, well, a couple of pages at once. One pages two and three, where he's catching the uh, the flyer flying car is actually yeah. really cool. But I love the the previous panel because of Angel and Black Widow. And someone pointed this out. I think it was maybe using this panel, or maybe it was in with the Elswins where. Uh, they have uh, Angel screaming at Cyclops to quick, pull it up, fix this, get us out of this situation. <laughs> and then apparently uh, way back in the 60 issues of the 60s of the X-Men, Angel was doing the same thing. So this must be some kind of a trait of Angel to just stand there and yell at people when they're in a dire situation. Well, he can also fly. And so if, if he sees somebody else not being able to fly the craft, I think there's an instinctive, what do you think you're doing? You know, it's just so, it should be so natural type of a reaction. Nah, he's the Maybe guy. Maybe I'm wrong. He's well, the guy like, like Hawkeye. Why you're about to crash is not going to make the situation better. Yeah. Like, Agreed. <laughs> but he's the, he's the guy like Hawkeye with the Avengers that thinks that he should be the leader. And, and I mean, he always questioned Cyclops. He always kept Cyclops on his toes. And he does the same thing here, even though Black Widow is definitely the, the the leader, the one that they decided on. And so he he was always second-guessing her uh, in what she was doing. But, I mean, another way to look at it is he's the rich kid that's always accustomed to getting what he wants and always accustomed to telling everybody what to do. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I should shut up about that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you guys think of the writing of Matt Lowe's story? I'm gonna let you guys go first. <laughs> I well, I, I think it's. I mean, it's kind of a fun story. I mean, it's it the, the shadow people. It feels a little uh, Star Trekky. That feels like something right out of Next Gen that they would have come across some race that somehow can, you know, grab your shadow and take control of you. But I've um, seen them someplace before. I swear. It says well. It shows they were in. They were previously had fought. The Avengers, the Hulk, uh, something. There's a flashback where they're fighting the Hulk. But this is before they learn to control people's uh, minds by touching their shadows. But I thought it was interesting that this is, you know, we've, we kind of said that you said, um, Kirk, you know, who asked for this? That they were the, or as Brian said, the leftover team. They, Mantlo seems to embrace that because throughout the, these the issues I've read and some of the previous ones that they they are constantly bickering at each other. They mm -hmm. can't seem to pull themselves together and work as a team very well. Their equipment they you know was built. Some guy ripped them off and and used shoddy material. So the the headquarters is not working. Did the they their ever say who it was that built all that? Because I mean they never mentioned a name, and I'm like it would have been great to hear it was like Roxanne or Roxanne. You know? <laughs> You know, something of the brand. Or Hammer. Yeah, yeah, you know. Justin Hammer. But, I mean, it seems like he's playing that up, that it's a little wink-wink, that, yeah, we know this is a, a C-list team, and we're going to write it that way, that their equipment doesn't work, they're, you know, they're, they can't seem to work together as a team very well. There's a lot of, uh, from when Darkstar comes on, and with, with uh, Wanda, a lot of, I mean, not Wanda, um, Natasha, there's a lot of uh, the men like a lot of sexism going on, you know, they're and, and she's con they're constantly calling him out like, hey, I can 
I can do this too. I'm I'm a hero. I can you know I don't need your a man's help. So there's that's a little yeah. There's something there with with Ghost Rider's character in regards to Dark Star that that it was a subplot that they didn't get to bring to fruition. No, they hit at it. You kind of get the yeah. You know, they kind of tell you about why it's going on, but um, and I can understand you know him and because he, he doesn't he's not really a. Johnny Blaze is not really a team player. I'm no, yeah. not that. He's not really a guy that works in a team very well. He's more of a lone. Um, I also, I also like that um, the Mantlo was using this as a way to develop the Black Widow character a little bit mm-hmm. more, explore her connections to the USSR. Bringing in Darkstar was kind of the same thing to provide groundwork for. Uh, those types of stories and then kind of talk about that. And we kind of see that later with when Ivan comes in. Her, had had her. Any, uh, any of you read the Goliath? It's, I guess it was a miniseries that came right before this. Did not. And I'm assuming it was written by Mantlo also. It was not. I no? looked into that. It was most of them were written by Claremont. Oh, okay. I know, which I thought, because they bring some stuff in from obviously that that series kind of leads right into this series. Yeah, I bought, and now, I bought the series on uh, Comicsology, but I haven't um, started reading it yet because I've been really wanting. I'm really hoping they would bring a trade paperback out with him because that would be a really cool collection. If you guys can find it, page eight, uh, there's Clark Kent on the screen in the background. Um, it's uh, the the page where Hercules is holding up the flying car. And Angel's on the phone with, you know, you uh, so know it trying is, to find yeah. that. Yeah. But oh. yeah, Clark Kent there on the TV screen is a reporter oh. in the background. Interesting. Yeah. So there's some really great burn uh, panels, such as on the next page from that, you know, the one with Dark Star talking to Iceman, uh, which is very much like how he, he uh, very definitive burn. The next uh, a couple of pages later, there's a great shot of uh, Hercules holding up the mountain or pulling the mountain down. And then towards the last pages, there's a close-up of Black Widow that's just like <laughs> such a burn face. And it's just great to see uh, uh, those come through. So I, I think anyway, I like it. Good He's stuff. Good on faces. Yep. Yeah. I think it's time to that time the, to move uh, on. To the sound of the screaming goat. Yeah, I'll make two comments. Number one, Two Gun Kid. I don't know why he was in the story. Uh, he the was other with Hawkeye. Because he was with Hawkeye, but he really didn't get to to do anything. Do anything. And then, of course, the villain was very unremarkable and yeah, not memorable. Nothing, nothing to worry about uh, going down the road. But yeah, that's that's pretty well, much. the two gun kid, I, I from my read, he had the Avengers had traveled back in time, and he became kind of friendly with them, and he decided to come back to our future and hung out with us for a while. But then he missed his his era, and then went back. Yeah, that yeah, was part of a weird a time Avengers story thing. Okay, so am I doing the next one? Twelve. Sure. Yes, I think you said you were going to do 12. Okay, uh, okay. so Champions... Oh, that's not it. I kept scrolling up and down as we were talking. So let me get to the right one. Yeah, Champions 12, published by Marvel Comics. Cover date, March 1977. On sale date, December 14th, 1976. 
cover price of 30 cents, page count 32, 17 pages story. Uh, let's see. The story is titled, Did Someone Say the Stranger? Uh, which uh, was written by Bill Mantlo, penciled by John Byrne, inked by Bob Layton, lettered by Annette Kowecki, colored by Don Warfield, and edited by Archie Goodwin, who's also editor-in-chief. Um, now, this, of course, came out. We see it was got, like I said, the cover date of March 1977. Also, with that cover date, we had Marvel Team-Up number 54, and Marvel team-up number 55, Spider in the Middle and Spider-Spider on the Moon. And I believe, the, weren't those the Wood God issues, which were also written by Bill Mantlo? I know Spider-Spider on the Moon was uh, is referenced here because a stranger makes a reference to it. So it's kind of that. So that would, be the, that would be the uh, Adam Warlock then. Right. So 54 would have been a Hulk story, the second Hulk story. And what, we skipped a month in there. No, no, we're on, we're on March. So, yeah, we're confused by that. Okay. But, yeah, Champions 12. And here we go. Um, the synopsis goes a little like this. The Champions joy Black Goliath and repelling Stiltman. When the villain tries to escape, Goliath chases after him alone, while the champions investigate a package he was after. As Regina Claiborne is explaining why she came to them with it, the stranger bursts through the wall of their building, claiming he's there to save them from the null life bomb he created. Not remotely trusting him, the champions fight the stranger until the null life bomb begins to expand, engulfing Regina and the stranger. The champions finally listen to the stranger's case and offer to help to do whatever is needed to disarm the bomb so the stranger teleports them to a place that Hercules recognizes from the time he invaded it, the realm of, is it, Camotharn. And now, as far as, you know, what that null life bomb does, that's like the anti-life thing almost. I mean, it's it's a, a device that will expand and expand and expand till it engulfs, what, the whole galaxy? And then if it contracts at that point, it, it basically kills all life or kills everything. And I did. Right. It, it would, right. Yeah. Now, the, the null life bomb first appeared in Silver Surfer 5 and it was revealed. That's not in, a bad story. Yeah. That's, it was re that's that's one of the, the um, Stan Lee. What do I want to say? The Stan Lee moralistic uh, Silver Surfer stories that stands alone and it's extremely tragic was never expected to continue to any other plot line, so it stands alone. Go ahead. Oh, no, quite all right. Uh, and it was revealed there to have been inert and in possession of Stark Industries uh, since then until its recent theft and reactivation starting in Black Goliath 4. The Stranger's appearance follows his appearance in Marvel Team-Up 55, also writ written by Mantlo. And he explains he came to Earth sensing an all-life bombs rearming, but got distracted trying to acquire soul gems along the way. Shiny. But <laughs> now, uh, those two issues were the stranger's first appearance with the yellow gem on his forehead that would later be revealed and recolored to be the power gem. At the time, the infinity gems were not yet named as such and were all referred to as soul gems. So this is like the first one of the first appearances of that. So why aren't these books worth more? 
kidding. Uh, Hercules and Sif then went to the realm of uh, Camotharn in Thor 232 through 236 <clears throat> to steal the staff and to save the life of Jane Foster. And it kind of negates them having to go there here, but that's the funny aspect of the story. And then uh, also interesting, one last note, this issue contains a letters page uh, letter from Kurt Busiek. Now, I, I don't have, I, I couldn't find my physical copy. That's one of the things I was looking for. Um, I know I've got it. I was wanting to see if that, that letter had anything decent to say. Of course, it would have been a letter about an issue before Burns Run had started, probably, probably. four or five issues back. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't know what it would have said, but uh, it was probably just a correction on something that they did in there because he was, a, a pretty heavy uh, historian, as I understand it. So, anyway, that is uh, you know issue twelve in an uh, uh, oversized nutshell. I will say I love the. Uh, it's not burned. It's Cockrum did the cover, but I love this cover. Yes. Um, it's Cockrum and At, so obviously Cockrum. Just, you look it. at Angel's face. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can see. Well, and look at the way. And look at Black Widow. The way he's got the the shadowing on her. I guess black, or if that's supposed to be a dark blue, uh, it's black jumpsuit. Or black with black. blue highlights. Yeah, um, and just the way he's drawn the stranger. But it's uh, and I'll ask this: Is this my only experience with the stranger? Is the Hulk story where the abomination comes in? Because uh, I've got that one on my trade, so I've read that story yeah. a hundred times. Is that before or after this? Oh, well before this. Well before, before. that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Because that was Strange Tales, wasn't it? I think the Stranger uh, no, visited the X-Men. Yeah, he started out in the X-Men. The only place that I knew the Stranger from was uh, in X-Men 138, as Cyclops is giving the history of the X-Men to us at Jean Grey's funeral. And he's talking about the Stranger. So I had, you know, went into a story like this and others with relative zero information on, on you know, what the Stranger, you know, could or would do. But um, there's your first glimpse of an Infinity Stone, folks. <laughs> Say again, where where is it? What is the Infinity Stone here? Uh, the Soul Gem. It's the gem on his on his uh, forehead. Oh, okay. Thank you. So, yeah. Now the other thing that I found funny was I, I'd only seen the Stilt Man in Daredevil. Right. And I don't recall him. I, I knew he could make himself taller. But I didn't know that his the, the the body would also expand, so that he could stand toe to toe with someone like Black Goliath. That's artistic license. Yeah, uh, it had to be. He's it not had to supposed be. to be able to do that. Well, I think it's an exoskeleton, so maybe it, right. it pumps up. As he does seem to be drawn a little more uh, beefy than uh, he had in the past. But I will say this for Byrne, he he. Because the stilt man's always been kind of a joke. Yeah, uh, he's he's yeah, up there with the shocker. Yep. But here he seems to be a credible threat, uh, and I think the parts with the stilt man are really are really fun. Um, the way that they keep trying to track him, you know, he keeps trying to, uh, you know, when they when they knock him over and then they think he's down and he just you know he basically just uh, extends his feet and 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 knocks him back. That was a pretty they, good trick. He's not been shown yeah. to do that before. <clears throat> or when he melts his when the Ghost Rider melts the asphalt and he gets stuck so he just attaches his feet and just keeps going yep 
How do you like the two-page spread there uh, right after the splash page? It's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. That is. That is. That is some nice. It's got a nice balance. I mean, you've got uh, uh, Angel, which, again, Angel's, I always thought Angel would be really kind of ineffective. I hate to say this, but he uh, he can fly, but for punching power, he's just a normal guy. Um, that's got to hurt him punching uh, this exoskeleton. Yeah, I would think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It yeah, is a and, great and, image. And in in my research on on the champions, one of the things I think that kind of lends to what I was talking about with the art is the fact that they're out on the West Coast. And the fact is when Byrne draws, you know, anything in New York, he has got his own mental model of New York. And so he knows what backgrounds to draw there as far as the buildings and skyline and everything as far as that goes. He doesn't have that so much for L.A., so he doesn't have the 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 reference to sit there. He he actually um, went to the library to find backgrounds and didn't have much luck. So he wrote to the city of L.A. asking for any pictures they could provide. And they sent him some brochures and stuff, which gave him a little bit. But it didn't give him enough to get like a full background idea going. So as you look, you see this this what pink background on the on the the, the, the back side of this double page spread. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the images, unless they're really close up to a building, you're getting a solid color background. Right. I think yeah, I agree with you here on that, but I don't I don't see that as a detriment. Right. I right. But this, uh, this probably is where the the uh, the bad burn story of burn doesn't draw backgrounds came from. Well, sometimes if you draw a background, if, if you've got a kind of a detailed character in the foreground, you draw a background, it's going to take away from it. But, yeah. Um, uh, although on page one, I'm sure Bank of America was very happy for the plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing you got to remember, if you've ever been to L.A., and Tim, you, you've probably got the best shot at this. Well, no, John, you're down in San Diego. It's not like New York City where there's a whole lot of skyscrapers. There is a central core district that has skyscrapers, and the rest mm-hmm. of it in the valley is sprawling and flat. There yeah. aren't. Yeah. It's not like Manhattan all over the place, but it's it's got a very distinctive difference in skyline, right, and that's right. I think plays into what what Byrne was looking for, but that it doesn't really exist. That's hard to explain, but uh, yeah, if no, you I ever see you. shots from like the Hollywood Hills of L.A. or an establishing shot, maybe in <clears> the old Dragnet show, that building on dragnet that that's what the hall of justice or or the city center that's just about their only landmark man i get the super friends theme playing in my in my head (laughs) well it's it's like vegas i mean if you're not drawing the strip there's no there's we don't have any exactly tall buildings or anything like that we don't have anything here so it's you have to draw some recognizable you know with new york you can just draw generic buildings reaching up into the sky because they're everywhere um yeah, but I think the artwork in this is really is pretty stellar. It's uh, I like uh, it. Well, I, the story I think I, is a little out of their league because they are supposed to be the the hero for the common man. Yeah, this feels more like an FF story or an Avengers story. Uh, yeah, I, even maybe an X Men story. It feels a little not, not ground level like they should be fighting. I gotta say, I both love and hate Black Goliath's costume. 
I mean that that yellow and blue—it's kind of like Nomad's costume. Mm-hmm. Very much of the very much of the time with that high collar. Yeah, the high mm-hmm. collar though, where it basically prevents him from being able to see anybody coming around him. That's true. That's hilarious. Uh, well, not really. It the collar shrinks and extends as needed because if you look on, uh, what right after right before Stiltman runs away, the where. Uh, uh, Black Alliance is in, they show him in between there. You can see how the level of the collar is below his ears, but then when he's down there with Hercules... I thought that was just low camera angles, is what I was thinking on that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I just think it just retracts and extends as needed. When he needs to look cool, it shoots, you know, it ex- extends and just looks pretty impressive. Well, Stiltman's is bad. He's got that big dish behind him. He can't, he can't <laughs> yep. see anything behind him or to the side. But he can't get shot at. You know, bang bang. That's true, I guess. Either. <laughs> no shots so, to the head. I don't know what that what his costume is made of. Obviously, it's made of some kind of metal. Is how it's supposed to appear, but uh, we don't know what kind of metal. It's definitely not adamantium. Yeah. No. I love that shot of giant uh, Black Elias' feet as he's running. You know, basically towards him, away from the the champions in the bottom right hand corner where they where they get the touch angle. Yeah. Or the, he's running yeah. off because he's they, he's basically because they had te- they had uh, they had gone at it in I think issue four of the Goliath series mm-hmm. and, and Stillman thought he had killed Black Goliath so now he's kind of got a score to settle. Um, that's really just a, um, and I, th- I think he just wants to steal this box because he thinks it's powerful. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really know what it is. Right. It's just some kind of power um, that he wants. And then we find out later with uh, um, what's the woman's name? Um, Claiborne, yeah, Claire, Clara, Regina Claiborne, and you know it's Regina, it, yeah. yeah it, it's it's interesting to note that uh, her character, and I'll say this, does not look like Misty Knight. That that Byrne has gone to make you know make paints to make sure that you know you can tell the difference between the two if they were to, if they were to be held side by side. Um, yeah. But that blue hair. <laughs> what do you think on the next to the last page when the champions get teleported? What do you think of the effect when uh, Iceman says something's going to happen? <laughs> that is that is really interesting. I, you know, it's like I hadn't taken a, a, a hard look at it. It looks like a radio transmission gone wrong. Mm-hmm. I think this is playing on. Um, the end of uh, X-Men 11 when the stranger first appears on Earth and nobody knows who he is or what he is and Magneto tries to uh, anyways, Magneto tries to get him to join the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants and it turns out that he's so much more than that and he abducts oh, yeah. uh, Magneto mm-hmm. and Toad, I believe it is uh, in much the same manner that, that just suddenly they're transported out of there with, by this means yeah, well, the, the panel, Time the panel below it. <laughs> uh, last, my last point. The panel below it, where they look like they're being transported. One that reminds me of Galaxy Quest. But two, if you look, <laughs> if you look at the stranger appearance in the Hulk, where the Abomination shows up, and the stranger thinks he can use the Hulk as his weapon of destruction, and he decides to go with the Abomination because he's he says he's truly evil. Right when he. He lifts the, the abomination off and he kind of zips through space. Mm-hmm. It looks the same way. Mm-hmm. He's, he's kind of got a vague outline of the of a human form, 
kind of streaking across the sky. And I think those were drawn by Marie Severin. Am I, am I correct in that? I think I think it's Gil Kane. Issues. I don't was think Gil Kane. Yeah. Okay. Marie is not on the strip yet. Okay. Cool. Now, my last note is I think the big bomb looks like a telephone. Yeah. <laughs> but the last page, I really actually <clears throat> like the art a whole lot on that just because – Look at all the detail of everything around it. You get the sense of a, of, a, of a very large cavernous area, but then everybody looks like you know they're Sasquatch's children. Well, yeah, you can see. Yeah, you can see the precursor. There's, there's several throughout these issues. You see things that Byrne would kind of designs that he would take later into his other books. Now, I like the uh, the teleport in image that they've got him on the, in the first panel, where it looks like um, almost like the Guardian of Forever. They're stepping through. Uh, but I, I give that right there to uh, Bob Layton and his use of the Zipatone and then yeah. a minor bit of Kirby crackle around the inner inner ring. That's really cool. Yeah. Good stuff that overall. Yeah. All right. So that's issue 12. Again, you know, that one bringing in a stranger uh, kind of increases the scope. And obviously – the scope of the story is all life. And this is one of those things that probably didn't get on the news. You know, people didn't know, wow, you know, this is, uh, this is kind of important. Champions just saved everything, even though they got a crappy plane and a crappy office, but you know, <laughs> and apparently LA, they, that's a kind of a running joke that LA doesn't like them. Yeah. That they're, they're like, you know, why are you guys here? Cause you're always, you know, Tearing stuff up and doing all your crazy experiments. Oh, so. come on. You want two football teams. You want all this other stuff. You want movie stars. You want to have it all. So, you know, accept it. <laughs> and Hercules sure. is like just made for the L.A. scene, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, final thoughts on that. Pretty good issue uh, compared. Uh, I mean, compared to the first issue, just because the, 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 the villain or the characters are a lot more compelling I, i'm not talking necessarily about stiltman i'm talking more about uh the stranger though i don't know if you want to call him a villain in this story he's more he's more galactus like he's kind of just all powerful but not necessarily uh evil but he's actually trying to prevent destruction this time and that's you know that's not what galactus does galactus just wants a meal no but it's it's a he's trying to prevent a bomb that he left <clears throat> behind i mean galactus is kind of like the the world's largest homeless man but you know, <laughs> I'll shut up on that. Uh, am I uh, doing 13? You are doing 13. I'm doing 13. Okay, so Champions 13, published by Marvel, obviously. Cover date of May 1977 with an on-sale date of February 15th, 1977. What was the, the release date on the, the previous issue? It was uh, December. So they it went off. Uh, jump two months? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it was what December... 14th, yeah, so two months. Two months gap between that one and this one. And so, you know, the the, May, the the cover date of April 77 was missed. Uh, but that one did have, the, the previous one did have a cover date of March. So um, we missed the month of issue 12 of Iron Fist. And uh, we go right on, like I said, into this. Um, cover price is 30 cents. Page count of 32. 17 pages story. The title, The Doom That Went On Forever. Uh, this, of course, is written by Bill Mantlo with pencils by John Byrne. Inker Bob Layton. 
lettered by Irving Watanabe, colored by Bruce D. Patterson. Now, is this the same Bruce Patterson that uh, penciled uh, Captain Atom and Legion of Superheroes? Oh, well, I'm not familiar with it. Yeah, I couldn't say. Yeah, and uh, edited by Archie Goodwin. Um, let's see. This was uh, May 1977. It's the only book that Byrne had out that month. And wow. the synopsis, let's see. Now, I could do the wiki synopsis, or I could do the leagueofcomicgeeks.com. Which one's better? No idea. <laughs> I mean, I kind of looked at both of them. Both of them... I'll, I'll go ahead and do the one from the wiki since since we used that one also from before. <clears throat> Here we go. Goliath returns from defeating Stiltman to find the no-life bomb consuming Champions HQ. He gets caught inside the bomb with the Stranger and Regina Claiborne and is forced to fight killer robots manifested by the bomb to defend itself. Meanwhile, the Champions realize they were sent to uh, Camo Tharn's world. Is that Camo Tharn or Camo Tham? Tharn. Tharn, okay. Camo Tharn's world to retrieve his rune staff, which the Stranger didn't realize was already on Earth since Hercules helped steal it earlier. Darkstar notices a trace of the portal the Stranger used to send them and uses her Dark Force to reopen it and return to Earth. She's followed impulsively by Iceman, who nearly dies in the journey not meant for him. The rest of the champions stay to fight against the creatures of Camo Tharn, which become entirely based uh, in an illusion, excuse me, yeah, entirely based in an illusion in which each of the champions witnesses their companions die one by one. The fight ends when Angel rejects the reality given to him and quickly knocks out Camelthorn before he can conjure anything else. When Darkstar and Iceman return to Earth, Darkstar ignores Bobby in her desperation to relay the new information to the stranger. It turns out the rune staff was left sitting in a hospital broom closet after it was used to resurrect Jane Foster. Once it's retrieved, Stranger guides Darkstar to use it to accelerate the Null Life Bomb's expansion until it engulfs the universe. Since the bomb has expanded beyond its limits to contract and destroy, it instead dissolves into nothingness. With the champions returned, the Stranger departs peacefully. The end. Now, there were not a whole lot of notes here and no notable um, letters written in uh, for that issue. Um, that right there is probably the what I would say the biggest story the champions ever got. I mean, it, 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 much like Jean Grey saving the universe in the Phoenix Saga, this is them saving the universe, or at least the galaxy. Uh I think that's why it feels like an FF or X-Men story. It doesn't feel for champions of the, of the common folk or the common man or whoever yeah. they call themselves. This seems a little, uh, and I can see if, if, if Mantlo wrote the other team up that kind of started that story, that he's kind of bringing it in and just kind of finishing, you know, he wants to play with the same toys he played with, but uh, it just seems a little out of character for this team. Yeah, but and of course, a lot of this was just a, a waste of time. Um, yeah, where, where they, they went because <laughs> I mean they left it in a broom closet, and it, it just okay. So is that Donald Blake? Was he was he Donald Blake at that time? Thor. Thor. Yes. Was he reverting back to Donald Blake? I yeah. do not know. 
Yes. Yeah, it's at a hospital, so he just he just most likely yes. Yes. He just took this broom staff and and the and the janders never thought why there was this lion's head staff just sitting there amongst all the other brooms <laughs> and mops. I mean, uh, they used it on the children's floor as a puppet, <laughs> like with Punch and Judy. <laughs> I guess that's what it sounds like. Maybe. <laughs> uh, well, I love the opening page. Well, of course, uh, did, I don't um, cover by Cockrum. Mm-hmm. And Milgram. And uh, yeah, and that's yeah. yeah, that covers a little. I don't know if that's Milgram doing something to Cockrum's breakdown. Milgram's inks it's, on that creature that Hercules is punching are so obvious it reminds me of the lava men. Yeah. Uh, that well, it just Wanda's face looks a little just. It it just doesn't look good. It's very generic. Natasha's yeah. face. Yeah, you keep sorry. calling her I Wanda. Calling her, I keep calling her Wanda. That's a you know a Russian redhead. You know, the robots look a bit like Raj two thousand. A little exactly. bit. A little bit. Yeah. Yep. I think that's another you know homage and to Brian's point at the the Beast Man Lou look like uh, what Sasquatch? Sasquatch. Yes. So yes, with the coloring and everything. So now when uh, when. Black Goliath does his climb upside the champion's building. Did any, did you expect the building to fall apart as he's sitting there reaching up and climbing? Like, like as bad as everything was put together for them, I, I just figured it would have, you know, like <laughs> he would have had a harder time getting up there. Or he would have destroyed the building pretty much. Probably. He would just be pulling windows, window frames out. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how some of these end up climbing up buildings. They either have some really good crevices to grab hold of, or they're just jamming their hands and cracking into the sides of the building. So like yeah, you said, think that's... about the architecture of the late seventies, you know, I mean, I mean, that was when they started making the all glass yeah. buildings um, everywhere. And that, you know, you, there, there's nothing to grab onto. You'd have yeah, to punch yeah. through the punch through the glass. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy. Have you noticed the uh, champions, Logan, Logo, rather. It's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I never caught on that it was a C. Now that I see the arrow, that's pretty clever. But is it on the front page of the book? No, it's not part of the masthead. But it's sprinkled throughout all these books. Like at least once an issue, there's uh, there's this this logo, this uh, C design is on something. It's on their Champacar, whatever they call that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. the Quinjet is what I'd call it. It's a basically, yeah, it's a, well, it's a, yeah, it's a discount flying Quinjet, car. But the Champs Jet. Yeah. The Champ Jet is what they call it. I mean, the X Men have their own flying car, and the Champions have a flying car. Of course, Burns not writing X Men yet, but, uh, or drawing X Men, that is. Mm. I like the, I do like the, the way he's drawing the Lava Guy. The Lava Man is pretty, that's got a lot of kind of Kirby Cracklin inside it. It looks pretty. Uh, reminds me of when he drew, drew um, well, it's not really the same thing, but we did Equinox. Equinox, man, yeah. That's a, yeah. yeah. But I, I'll that's tell you, my, my favorite page in this whole thing is Black Alive fighting the robots mm-hmm. and in and, and, and the pitch black. I mean, again, it, it's a burn bot. It's, you know, it's everything you expect from a burn bot. You know, there's a little Raj 2000, uh, especially around the middle, middle portion mm-hmm. um, influence definitely there. But it's just uh, that that's, in my mind, the, the most dynamic page in the whole thing. 
you know. Well, I like when he's been the page right before he gets knocked out, those top two panels where they're kind of coming at him. Yeah. They're doing one is hitting him in the back of the head, one is hitting him across the jaw, and then they both kind of do a double uppercut. Uh, a double uppercut. Um, all it's all it's missing is the uh is a Kirk axe handle, double handle axe handle to him. <laughs> but that that the, the sound effects cram crud quatom <laughs> but crud that's is that a sound effect or did did black Goliath just here. crap his pants <laughs> oh, i don't think so yeah. and this also has the 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 this is an ongoing thing but the bobby drake and dark star yeah uh rom-com is going on that he's he's crushing at her pretty bad and she's just ignoring him and it's really sort of take this toll on him that he's really starting to feel. And of course, the way comics are being written today, Bobby would have had a better time with Two Gun Kid. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, well, he, um, you know, he did this with Lorna Dane too, and it's yep. just like, uh, and she was like incredibly focused. I think there was some really good development for Dark Star here, which I thought was really cool. And of when I was reading these, uh, Darkstar was one of my favorite characters in the Champions. Uh, so I, I, I kind of liked that they were actually almost not necessarily making her the center <clears throat> of the book, but that they were, you know, giving a lot of development on her because they couldn't do much with the Black Widow because. Well, they couldn't you know, do much with any of them, really. I mean, right, you know, Bobby, Bobby and Warren, they've already got all their, you know, them established. Every character was established except for her. Yeah, so, so she can, was that point of view character that you got to, you know. Some really good stuff. Yeah. And then the final, the next to the last page actually was really good. And that's that's really some good Marvel stuff. That was the bottom ones where she's uh, saving the world, basically. <laughs> well, she just yeah. became, like, like the Zen statement, one with everything. Yeah, yeah. that was, that's, <laughs> I, I like, I really like it when they do that. And I'm glad that they gave the champions a chance to do this. I mean, you know. You've mentioned a couple of times, all oh, their street level, you know, but I'm glad that they actually gave them something big to do and bigger to do, relevant. Well, I like the. I don't, mine didn't have page counts, but Byrne does two panels that I first I didn't pick up on, and it's a long vertical panel that is to point out that these are all illusions. You see the the Karma Khan or whatever his name is. He's sitting on the on the steps and it's like he's concentrating and they're just kind of standing there looking off into space. And then he does it twice. He does it kind of once at the beginning of the battle, then it towards on another page he does it uh, the same exact panel to show that yeah these are these are illusions, you know. So Angel finally and I I do like that Angel is the one that kind of uh, comes to that realization that and he says it he said it earlier with the shadow people. When they were trying to take over, he said, you know, with my training through Professor X, I've, you know, I've learned to deal with people in my head. So he was able to shake it off. And here he does the same thing. So that's a nice kind of continuity that with his training with a telepath, he can realize that these are illusions and kind of break the spell. Mm -hmm. All right, then. Final comments. Final thoughts. It's a. It's a fun story. I mean, I, I thought the to your point, it's, it it seems bigger than what they normally would deal with. But to your point, it is nice that they could uh, that they could uh, expand the universe of the you know the the play area of the champion, so they can you know and that you know these big kind of world changing type uh, or world threatening uh, events don't necessarily have to be held. They have to be uh, solved by 
the FF or the Avengers, the, or the bigger teams. Yeah. 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 All right. So I'm doing 14. All right. All right. So 14, as I mentioned earlier, was the first champions book I picked up off the rack, off a spinner rack. I think it was at a grocery store where I saw it. And uh, the cover is just really incredible to me. I was like, yeah, what the heck was this? So this was really cool. I don't remember seeing the books before, but you know, I saw this one and I remember, and, and, and I know it because the cover is such an impressive cover to me. It's one that's stuck in my head. So that's why uh, it's one that I um, that I think of so much, and why I, I wanted to to do with this one. So uh, the champions issue fourteen uh, is of course published by Marvel. Cover date July seventy seven. On sale date April nineteenth. Thirty cents and thirty two page count. Uh, Seventeen pages of story. The title is called A Creature Called dot, 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 Swarm. <clears throat> the cover is by Gail Kane and uh, Al Milgram. And I didn't see their signatures there, but they're probably yeah. there somewhere. Uh, writers Bill Mantlo, penciler John Byrne, inker Mike Esposito, letterer Irving Watanabe, colorist Glennis um, Wine. And uh, Archie Goodwin is Ye, ye Editor. Mm-hmm. Oh, and um, John Byrne and Bill Mantler are actually credited as writers, storytellers, and artists. Yeah, he... another, another thing to note is that there was uh, 35-cent variants of this issue, and those 35-cent variants are so valued at so much more than really? the 30-cent uh, covers. Yeah. So check your collection right now. See if you get the 35-cent ones. And, you know, I don't. Do you? You have them all. No, sure. I, again, the only one I found so far was uh, issue 15, and it was the 30 cent cover because it also had the, the variant. But uh, I, you know, again, I got, I'm, I'm still going through my collection trying to find those because uh, I thought they'd be in my mutant box, but they weren't. <laughs> Interesting. So the uh, the synopsis here is Hercules and Iceman are forced to fight against their headquarters' own malfunctioning security system due to the shoddy workmanship of their contractors. Meanwhile, Natasha, Lenya, and Johnny are at the docks to see off Ivan, who claims to be returning to Russia, only to seek out his son, but secretly has an ulterior motive due to the mysterious call he received from Nick Fury. As the ship leaves, another man carrying a briefcase arrives, and the docks come under attack by several giant mechanical bees under the command of Swarm who uses the distraction to corner and kill the man over the briefcase, but is unable to take it because it's been coated with uh, a repellent. Swarm flees along with his drones, leaving the champions to discover the body of the man and find that he was an Interpol agent. They reconvene at their headquarters just as Angel flies in, panicked about an incoming uh, dark cloud, which happens to be a swarm of bees blacking out the sky over the city. Next issue, so so that was it, and uh, I can only remember how how cool this was. One because I had been familiar with the X Men, so I knew Iceman. So in this issue, Iceman also gets a new costume. Mm-hmm. He finally uh, puts on a real costume instead of just runs around in his BVDs. 
And those uh, boots, those swashbuckler <laughs> boots, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, a... Remember in the Fantastic Four when Byrne introduced the, the automated receptionist? Yeah. Uh, I think, well, we have sort of that with uh, this, uh, only she's uh, on the view screen, so we have her there. As Max and, Headroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's also pointed out this is an early, apparently a CGI character. This yeah. is a... Um... Yeah, so it starts off with them being. It just starts off with the uh, the headquarters under attack, and uh, Hercules is all under attack, and Bobby's in there changing his clothes and like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna impress uh, Lanyev with this for sure. <laughs> and then uh, of course he gets uh, involved with the fight. So, uh, what did you guys think of the story, or what's what's on your minds with some of the pages? This issue gave me, I mean, because I found this issue years later, uh, the two issues, 14 and 15, um, gave me a flashback to Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Because while this is the first appearance of Swarm, Fritz von Meyer, a Nazi expatriate, um, (laughs) Swarm would go on to appear like 22 more times in the comics over the years. Uh, not a prolific villain. I mean, that we're talking over 40 years. So, you know, that's, that's not very often, but, uh, he did have an appearance within what, just a few years, I think three years, uh, five years. Um, he showed up on, uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Swan. I know him from, um, <laughs> from Peter Parker. And I, I didn't know that he first appeared here, but I, there's a couple issues of, Spectacular Pirate Spider-Man that Swarm, the early in the twenties or the teens that she, that swarms in. That's where my first experience with him is. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I forgot to list the other burn books of the month. So ah. we since we skipped since we're bi-monthly, we skipped Iron, uh, Iron Fist thirteenth came out the month prior, and apparently Iron Fist was also bi-monthly. So in this month. Um, only had Marvel Team Up 59, which was with Giant Man and the Wasp. Hmm. Was it Yellow Jacket, you mean? That's the Equinox story, isn't it? Yeah, that's uh, Yellow Jacket. Ant Man, it says Spider Man, Ant Man, Giant Man, Wasp. Uh, uh, some say Spidey will die by fire, some say by ice. Ice. I think that's uh, it's Yellow Jacket. Yeah. I think that's the Equinox story. Yeah, yeah. Yellow Jacket's on the cover. Um, phased out or something. I think this is where we're kind of starting to see this flip personality stuff come back with him. Yeah. Uh, so, and that was written by Claremont. Anyway. Well, yeah, there, on- I thought it was a, I thought it was a fun story. I mean, yeah. it's, it's more, again, we're kind of gone back to ground level. This is definitely a ground level kind of a, and it's a, it's a right out of typical Marvel, goofy, you know, radioactive, some, Meteor crashes and mutates bees, and this guy. This is almost day in the life, with just yeah. a little bit of a villain put in. Um, yeah. Starting off with like a danger room sequence mm-hmm. with Hercules. It's a nice cold. It's a nice cold open. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. It was a danger room. Um, and they're again, they're playing up the fact that their headquarters is shoddy, and that everything is going wrong. And I don't. I guess if they continued, maybe that would have been uh, something they would pick up later. Um, and this Ivan guy was in, because I read issue 10, which Byrne didn't do, but uh, this is the 
I don't know where he came in, but he was his son is the new Crimson Dynamo. Yeah. And I guess he had defected to the States. Uh, and now he's going back to Russia. And I don't know what this secret mission is with. Uh, and isn't isn't um, Dark Star kind of attached to him in some way? I mean, she. Yeah, he. Right. She came over with the Titanium Man and the Crimson Dynamo to catch this. Because this, the story behind that is the, the, the kid was taken from his his father. They killed the mother. And then he was supposedly taken by Americans and brainwashed into hating the Russians. That's right. But there were actually Russians. There was actually Russians. And then somehow he became the Crimson Dynamo. So he hates his father because he thinks his father betrayed his own country by defecting to the U.S. Uh, And Darkstar, I think, was part of that team when she came over here with him because she kind of has a romance with uh, uh, his son. And he came. She came with him to capture, I guess, Ivan. And then when she find out, found out the truth that the the, the, rush, the country itself had brainwashed the kid, she kind of defected and switched sides. And that's why now she's with the, the champions. Yeah. So but. they gave, and, and it's Byrne definitely responsible. This is where Byrne started to assert himself as a creator because, you know, he, he did this two-page bit where Bobby puts on the new costume, and that was his idea. And then the the second page, when that uh, apparatus that Hercules had been fighting, uh, he throws it out the window, and Bobby has to go out there, jump out the window, freeze the item in midair above everybody. You can see he put, like, tripod legs on it or whatever, mm-hmm. and freezes it and slides down next to it. And then he has to basically just go back in the building and ride the elevator back up <laughs> to see Hercules fighting what looks to be Dr. Octopus's tentacles. But you know every every building that that uh, gets a, a Stark security system gets those mechanical arms. I think Scott Lang designed them. And I think it's funny. Uh, Iceman's like, oh, the police can figure out what to do with it. Well, what's going to happen? Yes. <laughs> ice melts. It's going to crash. And, and yeah. Maybe... <laughs> but now they're prepared for it. <laughs> well, it's, it's LA. It'll it'll melt pretty quick. And, and, and that's just so Bobby. That's not my problem. I'm moving on. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they still well, that's, paint that's, him that's... as the young guy here, and you know, I know in like the the original X Men, he was like 16, and they considered him to be an immature teenager. Yeah. And so, how old is he here? You know, is, is it maybe 18, 19? No, 18, 19, but yeah. Still immature. Well, they also another kind of thing that runs through these books is they're it's the uh, they're the only team that that they constantly talk about how much stuff costs because he's talking about how he says why are you throwing uh you know what what does he say why are you throw uh, he talks about it, Hercules throwing that thing out the window yeah like and a million dollar about, medicine ball. Yeah, and then later they talk about the computer when Hercules trashes that. And, you know, other teams, you never hear the FF talk about how much stuff costs. But uh, I guess because Warren's financing all of this. Yeah, from, and Stark, you know, Stark is financing the Avengers. But you never talk about money when they lose stuff uh, and damage stuff. But, and that's just, again, I think that's Mantlo kind of doing a little uh, tongue-in-cheek about, you know, this is this team's a little more self-aware of what they are, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. So when we get to the docks, I love the bottom left panel where you see the guy walking down the, 
the walkway behind Lania, behind Darkstar, yeah. and then it switches over to him. And then I think I thought it was just a great transition, you know, from the scene to have him in the background. And then all of a sudden it just flips over to him. And now we're in a whole new part of the story, which is still connected. So I, I thought it was great transitioning there. Yeah, I don't know if, they, if this ever. The, I wonder if this Ivan guy has ever picked up in any other books because he's got. There was something going on here because these guys uh, um, hold him at gunpoint. But I don't mm -hmm. know if anything happens after that. And I will say that Byrne draws the, the little guy, the Interpol guy, <laughs> as being very British, or maybe he's not, but he looks very British. Yeah. Um, he's wearing like a sweater vest. It looks like. Yeah, yeah the that's a sweater vest because you can see the 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 ribbing down there towards the yeah. belt line. Um, and today, Burn would be looking at this page huh? and he'd be complaining about the draping of the guy's pants. How about those bees? Aren't they cool? Well, I, I think the design for Swarm is really just you know incredibly cool. It is. I mean, just the purple robe, swirling purple robe. And then just bees on the body, and it's just, uh, uh, I, yeah, yeah mm, glad I'm inside. Well, let's <laughs> acknowledge that this is in the height of this is '77, so this is in the height of the killer bee craze. Yeah, the swarm, the swarm with uh, what was her name, the old uh, silent actress that became a mainstream Gloria oh, Swanson. Swarm Gloria Swanson. Yeah, the swarm had everybody in it. I mean, that was a star-studded movie. That was an Urban Allen. Yeah. Um, Joint. Yeah, stuff here. Um, and I found out that those giant ones were actual mechanical bees, and not real bees. If she had ripped that, if you know, because they they showed Black Black Widow ripping the head off of one of them, and uh, that would have been gross. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been. Yeah. yeah. Does anybody think the uh, the in my book it's purple or pink? The pink. Security bot that goes after Hercules looks a little bit like Warstar. Does yeah, yeah. I saw, so I'm telling you, it's, saw it's, it. he's borrowing stuff that he's done. Why not? But if it looks if it looks good. Now there's a page where you've got Hercules and Iceman, and they're fighting the tentacles, and the gun comes out, the laser gun comes out, and Iceman dodges it in a way that an ice body can't. <laughs> if you look, it's like his body twists, and it just doesn't look right. Well, dodging a laser is, I think, pretty hard anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then he comes up against, Bobby comes up against the Rampage suit, which is occupied by nothing and yet is filled out and fighting Bobby. Well, it's, I think it's supposed to be one of those exosuits that, yep. you know, looks like a costume, but it's really an, yeah. an exosuit. And this guy, I guess, is from a previous issue. Some yeah. guy. Yeah, created this thing and went after him. And he shows up. The 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 excuse me. The suit shows up in Spectacular Spider-Man seventeen, and uh, basically there's yeah. somebody in it that's not in control of their actions. Yeah. Mm. And right. so Spider-Man's trying to cool. fight it, and Angel's trying to prevent um, prevent Spider-Man from killing it. Yeah. yeah. And of course, we figure out the wire he's shotting, and. Uh, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. Black Widow's scolding them for not showing up, and they're like, uh, wait a second. Then, 
you know. I do like that last page is nice with the the, the cloud coming in because Angel crashes in is like, you know, they're coming, they're coming, and he's like, what? Because the you know this, those aren't clouds, those are, uh, you know, clouds and clouds of, of killer bees, and it's, it looks like a dark cloud coming up. And as Kirk mentioned, uh, there's the sea on the top of the building, so. Yep. Yeah. One thing I do like uh, is Hercules and the the robot that he's fighting. Uh, the what what'd you call it? It looks like Warstar. Warstar, Warstar yeah, yeah. The, Warstar yeah. or a Mandroid knockoff. And really all yeah. it takes is one real good hit from Hercules to take the thing out. <laughs> yeah. Okay then, so we move on to the next issue. Okay, right. so that was fourteen. So we got fifteen and do I get to do this one or I'll do this one because okay. I've got I've got the uh, hold on, let me get my my time codes going here. I'll be throwing behind-the-scenes stuff that all our listeners like to hear. All right. Issue 15 is entitled Death Drone. Our writer, again, is Bill Mantlow. Our artist is John Byrne. Our inker is Mike Esposito. Our colorist is Glennis Ween. A letter is Gaspar Saladino and Irving Watanabe. And our cover art is Al Milgram and John Can't Stand You. No, Wait, sorry. this is Can't issue 15? Him. Yeah. Because I have a different... Uh, I, I got from Mike's Amazing World that the colorist was Irene... Well, I had that too. Martin. And then I had that from Mike's, but um, um, on my... Uh, the wiki, it's got... I, yeah, I found and, that and on the letter or two, Bruce Patterson was supposed to be the letter. I understand that there was like some pages on both this one and the previous one that uh, the, the Saladano person also did the letters. Could be. So there was well, yeah, mine's kind of a mine's kind of a mishmash of Mike's yeah. and the wiki. But uh, okay, our cover well, date is. Oh, sorry, John. Yeah, I was just gonna say the uh, in the book it's. Patterson's the letter and Vartanoff is the colorist, so hmm. that's who's credited in the book when it was released. <laughs> yeah, I think these were ones that were kind of pushed and rushed out. I mean, look at the, and I know Tim's probably going to mention, but the books that were coming out this month. Yeah. All right, our cover date is September 1977, a sale date of June 14th, 1977. This is 30 cents and 32 pages, 17 pages story. Uh, as Brian mentioned, our other burn work at the same time was Iron Fist number 15, Enter the X-Men, and Marvel Team-Up number 60, A Matter of Love and Death. Which I think that's the sequel really? to the Equinox one. That's Wait, I... see, I see 61, not all thy powers can save thee. Well, my chronology that I got from Mike's Made World, I got 60, unless I, I looked at it wrong. Hmm. Which is possible. Yeah, I mean, I, this is from my John Byrne chronology that I found years and years ago, and I have no idea who put it together. But, yeah, uh, yeah that's... But I think, yeah, not all that powers can save thee. That's um, the one where she thinks it's it's the Wasp and Spider-Man against the uh, Equinox. Okay. Uh, but it, it's interesting that both Iron Fist and the Champions have caught up to each other, and they're both on issue 15. Yeah. Okay, our champion roster is still Angel, Black Widow, Darkstar, Ghost Rider, Hercules, and Iceman. Uh, so, Death Drone. 
Swarm's bees blanket the city and invade Champion's HQ, allowing him to capture the briefcase as well as Iceman and Darkstar. He explains his origin to them, that his body and mind were consumed by mutant bees, and he pursued the Interpol agent for stealing his queen and casing it in amber. After seeing Bobby and uh, Lania's powers, he hoped that they would be able to free the queen from her prison. Darkstar unexpectedly obliges, unable to bear the psychic distress she senses from the queen. Swarm further mutates the queen, which I think that's wrong, uh, to giant proportions so that together they can conquer the world. However, when Hercules throws the queen out over the horizon, the other bees hastily include that the ones making, excuse me, the other bees hastily follow, including the ones making up Swarm's body, leaving nothing but a skeleton behind. And Hercules does his best Superman impersonation and throws something into the bay. <laughs> or whatever he did, but you what happens with those bees? I mean that, that I mean that is like a, a plot element that's just completely It's like forgotten. out of sight, out of mind. It's just Yeah. Yeah. Well at least the I Queen, mean, because I don't remember there being a, when he shows up in Spectacular, I don't think there's it's just him and a bunch of bees that are kind of a hive mind that create him. I don't think there's a queen involved. Yeah, and but but like in the story, as he said, the bees were actually harmless when he discovered them. Right. And it's his manipulation that would make them do horrible things. But he's, so he's, he's a Nazi. Yeah. Ugh. But I, again, I like uh, the Swarm's appearance in this. Uh, it's just dynamic every time he's on the page. Mm -hmm. The eyes themselves are very. Um, Ugh, like a shark's eyes. Mm -hmm. Like a doll's eyes. <clears throat> like a doll, yeah, I was thinking of that. <laughs> Swarm would be a cool, a cool character. Would be a cool cosplay. Because all you need is a cape, some white gloves. I don't know how you do the bodysuit. You'd have to paint it or something to look like bees. But uh, that would be. I've never seen anybody dress that way. That'd be kind of cool. You could that make a. Oh, you could make. Golly. The, yeah, with today's technology, you can make something really cool if you knew what you were doing. Look at that amber, though. I mean, I, I don't know what it is that he's trying to do, but the amber block that he has there is probably worth a couple million dollars, especially since it's got a big B in it. <laughs> and if you don't know, don't know what I mean, is that in any kind of uh, amber that you find, which is fossilized tree sap, um, if there are bugs or whatever in there, preserved in there, that's really incredibly valuable stuff. What's yeah? That's John Hammond wants all of that stuff. He's got to create yeah. dinosaurs, right? Well, that's how you get them. That's how you get the DNA. Yeah. Well, can you artificially create amber? Well, I mean, it's kind of like artificially creating diamonds. I guess. I mean, because this is not—he's not suggesting that this bee is a prehistoric bee. It's just they captured the, this queen and they encased he her. He captured in it and encased her in right. that somehow. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that that's that special power unto itself that he's got, and I mean I don't know what his goals are. Is it world domination or or what? You know, he's a Nazi. Power... That's what he wants. He's yeah. a Nazi. He wants to take over the. Uh... I will say the artwork in this is really nice. It's not there's not a lot of big splashy pages, but there's a lot of detail, especially with Swarm, because that looks kind of like he's just all scribbled. But his origin is a nice. I like the way he when he does the flashback of him finding the big hive, and it you know, just whipping up a a bee control gun, <laughs> so he can 
zap him. And then I, they basically I, just uh, consume him. You know, I realize that this isn't, you know, Leighton inking it. You know, I was looking at this. Um, Mike Esposito did the, the inks. And, and, and if you don't know Mike Esposito as far as inking goes, he was an uh, incredibly utilitarian inker who was really good for keeping the Marvel house style and so he was plugged in anywhere that he was needed usually last minute i mean he's not like vinnie coletta but yeah. uh, you can see here that that his faces um aren't necessarily you know what he's not inking the faces as well as Leighton did uh in the other books to to stay on he's, model they don't he, look like burn faces right he's lot. not maintaining burns uh look as much yeah as Leighton was yeah, but yeah, I mean the work on Swarm himself, though that's really, really well done. And you got to give a lot of that to the the colorist too, to be able to intermix the black and the the gold or brown or whatever that is uh, together. But um, you know, out of all the villains that the the champions go up again, this is definitely the most iconic one, just because of the dynamics of the look. And I wonder if Byrne gets credit for being Swarm's creator. Or one of what you know, one of Swarm's creators. I don't know. Let me look in the. I'm in the wiki right now. Let me look. Yeah. Let's see what it says. I think he's come back. Um, I think it's a great yeah. origin. Like, like you guys said, I think it's an awesome origin. I just love the flashback where they're the bees uh, infest them, and then all of a sudden, you know, that final panel where it's, it just shows his upper body and those eyes and. It's yes. really awesome. <laughs> Such a great. Uh, well, there's a guy. There's a guy that takes you know lemons and turns them into lemonade. That's sure. right. Yeah. <laughs> they ate my body, but now they're mine to control. <laughs> well, it's such a silver age kind of uh, concept that you know that. Um, and I thought it was interesting that that he's that, it, that I guess Mantlos is his idea that the bees after they were mutated with by the meteorite or whatever hit. It increased their intelligence, but it made them peaceful. So it's like they evolved. They they evolved past their aggressiveness. And then he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll fix that. I'll make him, I'll make him, you know, attack killers again." And they kind of turn on him. And somehow, I guess through his will, was able to merge with their or create kind of like a hive mind. So now that he is, and but where's the queen at this point? Where is? Oh, he grabs the queen, doesn't he? Yeah, it looks like he has her yeah. now. So I guess with, yeah. with her, maybe he can control her, and that controls the hive. I love Darkstar's face there on that bottom left corner of that page. I, it's very it's, burned. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where, I mean, the thing is, like, Bobby's face in the panel previous yeah. doesn't look like, you know, doesn't look like a burn shot. I mean, it's, it's just taking all the angles and everything out of it that you would normally see. Even the hair's not right. Well, and it's funny because like two pages later or yeah, two pages later you with Hercules and the Black Widow and Bobby, it almost looks like Cochrane came in and inked that page for the faces. Yeah, I Especially in, in, in the bottom face. panel with Ice. Yeah, with Iceman. That looks like mm -hmm. Cochrane did that, that panel. A little bit. But to your point, John, this, this also helps Dave they go a little further to help develop um, Darkstar because she she, the reason why she frees the queen is because she, I guess she is also reeling from, I guess, the, this, you know, the, the, the queen is, 
sending out these psychic pulses or something about being trapped mm-hmm. in amber. And she kind of relates because she feels that she was trapped and controlled when she was in Russia. Uh, so she kind of, she's sympathetic to that. So that's why she, uh, she kind of, without knowing it, she, or couldn't help herself. She, she frees the queen and that helps. And that's, you know, not to spoil things, Kirk, but that's, you know, you can get a little bit of that with, uh, if you watch the black widow uh, movie. You know, they really sidestepped one thing in here. I mean, there's one panel, one good panel in there, and it's on the same page that Hercules is, is trying to punch through the the hive wall. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, basically, as, as soon as he punches it, it reforms. But the bottom panel on that page shows civilians being attacked by the bees, and they're all covered in them. These people are dead, or they're going to be dead. I mean, one person screaming, my eyes. Can you imagine being stung in the eyes by bees? Just the thought of that makes me hurt. Oh, God. But I mean, it just you, you got to sit there and think what's going on on the news that day later on. You know, hundreds of people died as a result of the of the swarms. Well, there's a throwaway line later that somebody says Hank Pym and Bill Foster are trying to find antidote to the bee sting. So hopefully that's showing that maybe they were able to um, save some Mitigate of these people. some of it, yeah. Right, some of them. right. It wasn't yeah, just... Definitely a bunch of people had to die considering the severity of the stings, you know. Well, that's how some people are hyper allergic to that stuff. Yeah. You know. But... All right, we're getting close. Yeah. Uh, uh-oh. It was, it was just, I think it was a fun story. It's a good little two-parter. Uh, swar- he said Swarm's a good kind of more ground level this is a nice return from the big cosmic stuff we just had to kind of come back to this more street level uh yep. villain and of course you know the the teaser at the bottom where it says magneto and dr doom yeah and now that of course that goes to the supervillain team up uh issue 14 which has a burn cover a burn and austin cover an awesome burn cost Austin cover. That's but, one of the most impressive covers ever, man. Yeah, but there's no the, no burn the interior. Where Doom, every, is that the one where everybody's bowing down to Doom? Yeah, yeah. 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 And so the next issue here, uh, issue 16, is a continuation of that story. Uh, but, you know, there's no burn art in it at all. Burn had nothing to do with it. Um, fact is, the book had been basically canceled at this point. And they have one last issue with uh, George Tuska, and I will let Kirk take over from here. Well, right before we do, I just got to say that I I love this story. I mean, this is just such a good story. It still is one of my favorites that I remember from my youth. Yeah, I'd say I, I enjoy the, uh, the Stranger story arc, and I enjoy this story arc here just because of the dynamics of, of, the, of Swarm as a character. Um. But yeah, so let's go ahead. Uh, unless you guys have any last thoughts there. No, do we right. need any? I uh, know we're not covering sixteen, but does sixteen kind of butt up into seventeen? Do we need to get a quick backstory on what sixteen was about? Even though Burn really had nothing to do with it. No, no. I mean, it, it again. It was Bill Mantlo wrote these, but he compartmentalized everything. Yeah, and so you can skip this one and not miss anything. It's, it's kind of a goofy story, I, I especially the way with with the way this next sentinel, the, this next issue starts. Exactly. What was uh, 
what was Burns' involvement in Supervillain Team Up 14 other than just the cover? That's Did it. Did he draw? Oh, okay. So he's really out of it. Yeah. Okay. Ready to move on to 17? Ready. Yep. All right. I'll, um, I'm going to tell you that the 17 is a 35-cent book. Cover date, January. I believe this is January of 1977 now that we're up to. 78. It's titled, sorry, 78, is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, the Champions are, rather, it's uh, the Champions Last Stand. And I think that's uh, more significant for than... Um, than you might expect. The, the Sentinels are attacking, and it's the champion's last stand. Um, not certain who does the artwork. It says Ernie Chan, 1977. That's what led me to think that it was 77, but I guess I'm wrong. It's not a burn cover. Um, and I noticed that uh, Hercules looks a little bit like Pan, the face with the horns and the <laughs> wild hair. Um, but I'm going to let that slide. The cover date's in January of 78, but it didn't. It was out in October, so Chan did draw the cover in 77. Yeah. And yeah, he so probably four months before that, at least four months before that, because they yeah. got four months production time, so probably well, well, uh, somewhere in June. Burns pull, I mean, while uh, Kirk's pulling up his synopsis, I'll, I'll fill in his blanks real quick. Uh, our writer is Bill Mantlo. Our artist is George Tuska. Our anchor is John Byrne. Colorist is Phil Rachelson. Letterer is John Stanza. Our cover art, as said, is Ernie Chan. And an editor in this one is now Jim Shooter. Yeah. Is that um, pretty much when he took over as editor-in-chief? Yeah. Uh, and, I, I just agree. My my book says from the page, Archie Goodwin. Oh. Yeah. Really? Yes. Yes. That's the uh, the splash page. I see yeah. that also. Well, maybe, it's, okay, maybe this is he's editor-in-chief now. Yeah, Shooter's editor-in-chief, and Archie Goodwin is the editor of the book. Okay. Yeah. Did you find that, Kirk? I saw a notice that it popped up, but I'm unable to open it. Try sending it once more, and when the notice pops up, I'll try to jump on it. I'll put it on the Facebook chat. There it is. Give me a second for my computer to catch up. I'm warning you guys, if this crashes, you're on your own. (laughs) <laughs> it's coming it's coming somebody sing a song the girl from Ipanema well, I'm gonna, well let's talk about the cover Matt, while we're waiting that's an impressive amazing cover I guess <laughs> got it synopsis for the Sentinels Hunt again the blob Unis the Untouchable or however you say it and Lorelei burst into Champion's headquarter, pleading for help against the Sentinels pursuing them. The Champions manage to defeat the Sentinels, but don't trust the villainous mutants enough to believe their story that they're just innocent victims. Dropping the ruse, Vanisher appears and shoots the Champions, revealing that he took control of the under-construction Sentinels after waking up on the abandoned orbital platform where the others were already destroyed and went on to recruit the recently re-aged evil mutants in a scheme to draw out the X-Men for revenge. Before they can finish the champions off, Darkstar, Darkstar, 
star recovers and uses the full frightening potential of her powers to defeat the evil mutants and disrupt Vanisher's attempt to teleport away, seemingly killing him by trapping him halfway through transition, much to her own horror. The other champions wonder what will come next, but we know from the next issue box that they think the story is going to transition to the Avengers. However, we know from doing a little research that it'll be at least a year before any of the champions show up in the Avengers, and it's in the middle of the Korvac saga. So thank you for that uh, synopsis, sharing that with me, Brian. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Um, I was going to go through page by page because I've got a readcomicsforfree.com up here, and as long as I don't try to scroll backwards and forwards too fast it should go through that's a pretty accurate synopsis there's our footnotes and and uh great um asterisk references to champion 16 super marvel team up 15 iron man annual 4 and champs 14 and 15 of which we've just covered i like the sentinels here i thought that they were on mark um the second page they is a double page spread It shows the uh, traditional view of the Sentinels, purple with uh, blank faces. Purple and and scarlet, I guess, would be the best way to call the coloring here as they come crashing through the wall. Um, It's not burn art, but it's not bad. Um, The layouts are pretty good. Um, They almost get the drop on the champions, except the Black Widow was able to get that uh, ubiquitous champion symbol displayed on the side of their all-glass window skyscraper. So uh, that is going to be seen by the others as a signal. The bat symbol. Wait, wait, no. The, the four <laughs> signal. The it four is. flare. My, my question is, what do you do that during the daytime? How does that work? That's a good question. <laughs> Apparently this is all at night as the shading, as we can see on a couple of these where the angel is flying certainly looks like it's nighttime and he recruits the stunt master from a debut of his movie called hot cycles um, and totally disrupts it. Bobby is in the crowd with dark star and sees the symbol, so to speak, or sees the angel rather. And so they break into battle gear and disrupt the whole thing much to Johnny Blaze's upset uh, his, his anger. He manifests get, his... Go ahead. I would say we get a nice uh, topical reference where he says, what are you, a frozen streaker? <laughs> yes, this was the... T- no, this is a little after, but uh, streaking was a thing in the 70s. Yeah. Um, I will uncover it if you want me to, but uh, for the most part, streaking was nothing more than uh, people stre- shucking their clothes and running through public spaces to shock people. Um, it was more about shock than it was anything sexual. And, uh, I'm not certain why it began, but I know when I was in college in the seventies, as this was coming out, we were instructed as we were televising classes, if a streaker struck, we were to take the tight shot of the instructor's face and to stay on it. No cover shots, (laughs) not to televise any of it. And it never happened to me. I'm very disappointed, but, uh, I've got one other story about streaking that I can tell you on the side, but it has nothing to do with this issue. So we're going to get on. back to the issue here. <clears throat> Bobby is uh, picked up by 
the angel, and he flies him on his back like a bucking bronco. Uh, Johnny Blaze rides his flame cycle back to headquarters and then up the side of the building to find gravity. Uh, Dark Star you know, arrives, and the Vanisher, who's in the shadows, observes all of this. He looks as ridiculous as he ever did, and I really don't know why anybody would follow him, but for the point of the story, we will. Um, nice full-page splash as the champions take on a couple of Sentinels, and uh, they are partially effective. There's a footnote on that full-page that it refers to classic X-Men 100. I think they mean the Uncanny X-Men series 100. Yeah, they're just saying that the episode is a classic at that point, which it was, what, a year and a half earlier, maybe. And, and it wasn't the Uncanny even then. It was the all-new, all-different still. Yeah. But I think, uh, see, now i got to look, because I think they were still putting Uncanny on the cover. But I'll have to take it. Let me look real quick, because... I think I think you guys are right regarding the uh, the adjective on the on the title. Angel is shocked to see that uh, the uh, the uh, Brotherhood, or at least three of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, are there, but they don't seem to be engaged in the fight. They don't seem to be attacking. They're just there, which makes him a little curious. Bobby takes on the Sentinels and discovers that they are being more slow and sluggish than they're used to. They finish, and a flashback tells the tale of how those mutants have been re-aged by Eric the Red by accident. Gotta love comics. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then basically they say they they went on the run and looked for help. And just as the uh, two former X-Men say, this doesn't ring true, uh, they say, okay, so they attack. And sure enough, they take out, or the Vanisher takes out, all the champions that are gathered there, they gloat for a little bit. He talks about how he he um, hijacked the unfinished Sentinels and refinished or finished completed them himself. I don't buy that. He doesn't have the skills, but that's okay. It's comics. Um, at any rate, they're going to do something, and Dark Star basically reanimates one of the Sentinels to attack them um, somewhat ineffectively. Uh, but it collapses, and just before the Vanisher can shoot her, Iron, uh, Iceman responds. He freezes the gun. The Vanisher attempts to flee, but Darkstar uh, coats half of his body with the Dark Force, and literally he's splinched, as we post-Harry Potter would describe him, standing on one leg, trapped between two dimensions. Uh, she's pretty freaked out by it. The champions stand around and say, well, what do we do now? And the uh, next issue box says, well, you know, good question. That'll be answered in a future issue of the Avengers. However, um, I understand after some discussion before we started recording that it doesn't go directly to the Avengers. There are a couple of other appearances of members of the and in other books. So that's yeah. about all that I've got to share. The only contribution that Byrne did to this was apparently inking, and it, I don't really see it. Um, I'm a sucker for a good Sentinel story, emphasis on good, and I don't mind the evil mutants so much, but this is not up to par. I'm yeah, now, sure. as far as the X-Men goes, X-Men 100, it doesn't have an adjective up front, okay. but uh, it just says that last suspicion. 
pack at a hundredth issue of X-Men. And of course it's got the, the old team and the new team squaring off with professor X standing in the background, fist raised up because he wants yeah. to fight. Uh, but when you open the first page at the top, of course, it gives that, that crawl Cyclops, Storm, Banshee, Wolverine, Colossus, children of the atom, students of Charles Xavier, uh, blah, 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 blah. The strangest heroes of all. Stan Lee presents the uncanny X-Men. So that's the only place where you get the uncanny. Now, as far as what you're saying there, it is, as the art goes, uh, there are pages where I can see burn uh, putting a, a stronger uh, bit of work on there, especially when he was drawing Natasha's uh, the face, the eyebrows, the lips are very burn like. Yes. Um, Good call. And, the close ups uh, are more like you can definitely see his influence on the close ups. Yeah. Definitely. But I mean, you know, George Tesco is a very serviceable uh, artist. Uh, and, you know, basically he was as consistent as his inkers were. And so Byrne tried to be as faithful to Tusk as he could be while still throwing a little bit of himself in there. Um, Which I appreciate that because I know yeah. he, I would love to see the, the raw pencils for this to see just how what has changed. I have wanted to see Tesco. the raw pencils for any one of these issues that Byrne worked on. I, I, I mean, the thing is, because you can find pencils to a lot of things uh, from from, you know, those times. And as an example, uh, there's uh, some inks from or not pencil, not inks, but pencils. I'll see if I can share this with you guys of um, his work on Marvel team up. And the pencils are so tight that you're wondering why they didn't just reproduce it from the pencils. And if you'll look at your Skype page and look at what I shared there, hopefully it's showing up. Are you seeing that? I'm afraid I'm not. Somebody else will have to comment. I don't know if I've got an old Skype program or if I'm just, my computer's overloaded, but I don't see it. Oh, there well, it is. It just popped yeah. up. And I mean, this is pencils from Marvel Team Up number seventy-one, which is just a few months later than, you know, what we're seeing. And these are just Burns pencils. And you look at the depth and the the amount of detail put on that. I want to see the pencils that he did. This is before inks. Before uh, I think Dave Hunt came in and did the inks on that one, or Al is that, Gordon. Is that the Joker kissing MJ? No, no, the Joker doesn't show up until X Men one thirty-three. Um, <laughs> if y'all don't sure? know what I'm talking about, yeah, the X Men was it X Men one thirty three where they come across Dazzler. No, uh, no, no, I'm sorry, one thirty. No, it's, it's yeah, one thirty, where they come across Dazzler, and in that one, they're in the the bar or the the club where she's singing, and the Joker's off in the corner with a woman, and he's got a a, a pin, right? Yeah, through his nose. Uh, not a nose ring. It's an actual um. Clothespin, uh, not clothespin. Right. What do you call those? Safety, safety pin. Safety pin through yeah. his nose. Yeah. But going back to these, it just I would love to see a, a single penciled page from any issue 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and or I, again, I'm not so much curious about Tuska's pencils on 17. Um, but I would like to see see one of those, just any one of those, to see what kind of detail he put into the pencils before they were inked by Leighton or Esposito. Well, right. I just did a search, and for this issue, 
Page 11 sold in 2005 at an auction. But it's inked over, so it looks yeah, just like... Yeah, and that's... Yeah, you're just going to see what it looked like on the page. Yeah, and then, I'm looking some... for the the stat of the pencils before the anchor came in. They should have taken that. I mean, they should have those available somewhere. But uh, right now... And, and, I mean, again, this is so early. I don't know what Marvel was doing with the pages back then. At that point, it seemed like in 78 or some point after that, like when Shooter became editor-in-chief that he started, you know, doing things to make sure that the creators got their pages back or they were split evenly between the uh, the artist and the inkers. So the earlier pages, all the Kirby pages, all that stuff, don't know what happened with a lot of that. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on around with all the auction sites where they're, you know, you know, auctioning off a lot of stuff, but we don't see these anywhere. Well, some of the stuff maybe just may have been lost or destroyed if they don't if they didn't for it was a if there was a point where they thought they could sell it. Um, yeah, well, you know, the thing is, a lot of the artists, as I understand it, will do a photo stat of every page that they draw before they send it in, and that's, that's smart. That saved uh, Burn in one that's case insurance. where. Yeah. where his pencil pages were lost in the mail, never, ever delivered, never picked up. Nobody's ever shown up with them. and Nobody's ever tried to sell them. So more than likely they wound up in a landfill somewhere. You know, someone just like, ah, I don't know what this is and threw it away in the trash. But, uh, you know, since he takes photostats of all the pages he does, he was able to send those in, but I don't know if he was doing it this far back. So David showed, joined us. Hey, David. David? He may have walked away, but he's trying to get on. Okay. I'm going to stop sharing that page so it doesn't take our bandwidth. Well, I think this issue has got some nice layouts. I I do agree that there is some detail that is missing, but I I, I will give this to Byrne that he didn't, if, and I don't know what what the, 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 like, the unspoken agreement is between anchors and pencilers that if you're inking someone who is not as talented as you are. Do you yeah. stay true to the, I mean, I don't want to be mean about it. Do you stay true to their vision or do you impose your style and talent on top of it, which takes something away from them? So if he kind of tries to this guy, I, I, I commend him for that. I think it's the, the champion boxer scenario. And what I mean by that is that, it doesn't matter where their standing is currently. If they were ever a champion, you treat them like a champion. And uh, for instance, when Byrne inked Ditko, you saw that he just remained completely true to Ditko's pencils and did not, you know, embellish really anymore. And that's, you know, something that a lot of inkers do when they're working with somebody's legendary work and there and, might be when, when when two team or two guys come together they may have a some kind of a conversation about yeah you know please do this or please do that or you might tell them hey i i didn't draw this in but maybe you can embellish it you know there's probably some kind of a <clears throat> a little bit of discussion about what to do and what what not to do margin yeah. notes on the side yeah would you say it was uh, page 11 sold recently yeah, 2005. Yeah. Well, 2005 yeah. is sold. Oh, I'm trying to auction. figure out which issue. What, which None of these pages are numbered in 
in the scan that I've got. Right, so right, I'm right, having right. a it's well, I tell you, time. it's the page where the guy grabs uh, Iceman when he's just turning. You know, his hand, his hands freeze, and you've got that uh, crowd at the bottom of kind of these ugly face guys that are uh, that are kind of grabbing or Johnny's uh, Blazer's kind of taking his jacket off or being grabbed. It's that page. Okay, hang on, I'm trying to scroll back without dumping my. But it looks computer. exactly the same as what's in the scan. It doesn't, other than being colored, it doesn't look really any different. So you can't say you can't say any kind of erasing or anything that might have changed when uh, when Burr yeah. went over it. But you know, and I'm kind of curious as to why was he contractually? I mean, I guess it's a job. He needs the money, but was he contractually obligated to to ink this I, one? Was he? You know, because I, I know he's he's leaving this to go to X Men. Um. So I don't know if he, why he, you know, I guess you're not going to turn down work if you need, you know, if it's right. Work, it's if, work. if the boss is saying he's going to promote you and oh, by the way, would you, uh, ink, uh, the 17th issue of the champions? It's the last one you do what he asks and you don't put a lot of effort into it and you, you move on to your new assignment. Yeah. That's how I, I would he, interpret this. It looks like he did, He put a good bit of effort in it. It's just my opinion. Yeah. It's, um, well, but I wonder if Byrne is, I know he's a, has a reputation for being a fast penciler. I don't know if he has the same reputation for inking. Yeah. I mean, because he was doing multiple books. You know, I, I mean, even here, there were months where he had three different books that come out. But you got to ask, when it comes to Marvel Team-Up, were his books actually done the months that um, he, you know, that they were produced or were those in the drawer already? And they just said, okay, let's go ahead and put these out now. Yeah. How much of a beauty. gap was there between issue 16 and this one, 17? Do um, we know? Here. Yeah. Um, 17 came out January of 78, or that's the cover date on it. 16. Um, let's 16 go was, uh, I got a cover date of November 77, and it's yeah. the date of August 77. So, so there's at months. least two months in between. Yeah. So he may have, they may have been sitting on this for a while. Well, they might have been, if they haven't, if it hadn't been determined it was getting canceled, maybe they had to do some rewriting uh, just to to kind of wrap it up. Yeah, and they didn't really wrap it up. They just kind of tell you that it's going to be continued in another book. Um, It's not like there's a, it doesn't, it does say the the large stand. So, I mean, I guess that's telling you that this is their final, final issue. They That's must right. Because the well, yeah. the month before was when X Men 108 came out, and he would also just finished up um, the Avengers three issue run, uh, 166, and I think he'd done. Yeah, he was also finishing up. Uh, you know, he was on issue 48 of Power Man uh, before it became Power Man Iron Fist. I mean, in in, in December of 77, he had. Um, a an issue of Marvel Team Up, Power Man, The Avengers, and X Men. So in January he just had what Captain Britain for Marvel Team Up, and then Champions where he did the inks on there. So it's probably a favor. Um, when he got the X Men gig, you know they're like, you know, can you get us the pages in this amount of time? And he goes, sure. What do you want me to do for the rest of the month? Yeah. Because he was right. just like, I can I can do that as quickly as you need. Um, I did get 
But, Does anybody uh, have the floppy of this issue in front of them? I don't have it in front of me. I've got it, but I don't have it in front of me. I was just curious because the, the splash here next to the, the next issue box saying Avengers, and it says, see our letters page for further yeah. details. Yeah, That's not in my that. scan. I was just curious if anybody has read that to hear what they say. No, I don't I don't have it with me. Uh, and like I said, I was trying to find it. but uh, And I dug right. through many, many, many a book and long box. My back is hurting. Like you would not believe right well, now. Thank you for your effort. We appreciate it. But I don't <laughs> think this book is worth it. Um, perhaps if somebody finds the floppy, uh, maybe at a, another uh, another recording we can share it or, or discuss it. See if there's yeah. anything worth discussing in it. Would you guys like to hear a couple of Burns' thoughts on the yeah, champions? Certainly. That he posted over the years. Uh, basically, these are in response to uh, uh, reader questions on his website, burnrobotics.com. I looked for those, but I couldn't find them. Yeah, uh, the search engine's working a lot better on his site. So if you just go in and type champions, you'll get a large list of things. Of course, some things are NFL champions because there's a sports forum there and other mm -hmm. things. But you'll find that, that champions is in there. Um, and he says, mediocre stories, inconsistent art, unable to use any major villains. At the time, we called the champions everybody who's left. During the brief time I was penciling the book, Bill Mantlow said if he had been writing it from the start, he was sure he could have made it as popular as X-Men. And then Byrne just says, I doubt it. <laughs> Uh, but he also said that was not as particularly a high target to hit back then. I mean, it was doing well, but it wasn't the uh, super seller that it became in the like the the 160s. Um, and then he says the champions happened for purely commercial reasons, you know, kind of like any title with an X on it these days. Group books were popular. And Marvel wanted to produce as many as possible. So basically, the champions were the group composed of characters who weren't already in a, in a group. When I was assigned as artist, Bill Mantlo, who's uh, by then the writer, complained that Marvel was doing a poor job of promoting the book, and if it had been treated properly, it would have been as popular as the revived X-Men was proving to be. I don't think Bill quite grasped just what kind of lightning had been bottled with the all-new, all-different X-Men. And let's see. Ghost Rider, while entertaining enough, in the right stories just doesn't strike me as a team member. And that was right. Byrne himself. Um, but he, and, and he shared the story about Ghost Rider was a mystery book for most of us at the time. It had most often had what fans declared bad art and bad stories. Yet around the office, it was known as the book they cannot kill. The series remained always enough to keep it alive. There was even some spe you know, speculation that Ghost Rider had created so niche that maybe it was selling almost exclusively to bikers or something. Certainly, whatever mojo it possessed it did not cross over to the champions. And how weird to be having this discussion, though, to be talking about the failure of the champions when the book pulled in sales that most publishers would kill for today. That's the truth. That's true. And then regarding the inability to use any major villains... This was in the days of the writer-editors, one of the worst periods for, for creativity at Marvel. Uh, you know, asked to use character A, then the writer-editor of, of his home title would invariably say, no, I have plans for him. The most bizarre example of this was on Team Up, when Chris and I felt we should be using actual Spider-Man villains from time to time. We decided to test case with Craven, who we thought was one of the, uh, one of the second or third stringers. 
But the writer editor said he had plans for Craven in two years. We complained to Shooter and he ordered them to ordered us to use Craven. Well, anyway, I, I did read that Mantlo is responsible for Angel's new costume because he had coming into the book, he was going to have. Uh, well, I guess maybe they didn't change it. Uh, Iceman's costume changed. Well, well, no, they, well, they said that maybe it wasn't Mantlo. Anyway, Angel had a, more of a darker blue costume. Yeah, and they thought it would clash with uh, Ghost Rider and Black Widow, who were both dark blue slash black. And so dark stars changed... wearing dark also. It, right. But so see, that's the it. thing is it, it gave them a uniformity by having those with those with those colors. So they should have kept Angel in the Neil Adams costume, which was the, the, the blue one. Blue one. And ultimately they decided to put the red coloring on it instead. And that's what we see later on in the X-Men. Yeah. He thought it was just too much blue. So, um, you know. I like the red, but I agree with the reasoning that, that it – would have lent some uniformity to the champions as a team that I frankly have never felt, you know, they hung together. So, so the name, let's name the, the, the members of the champions. Clearly it's Hercules, Black Widow, Ghost Rider, Iceman, Angel. Now is Dark Star considered to be a member? She's yes. kind of like Dr. Smith, you know, always special guest star. At least that's the way she felt. She always felt... And- and how about Black Goliath? He's a part-time. I think he's considered part-time. He's our tech survivor. He, yeah, advisor. he's their tech guy, kind of like Hank Hank Pym was in West Coast Avengers. And then, uh-huh. if you've seen the commissions that Burns done, Jack of Hearts was actually considered to become a member, or they were going to do that before the book got canceled, hmm. but it never came about. Are there any others from these seventeen issues that? might be considered that appeared or or might have been no we got hawkeye and two gun kid okay yeah they were guest stars and hawkeye wasn't an avenger at that that point in time so but he would bring that up in the story that he quit yeah bringing this up to modern day are you guys aware that there's a current champions title being published but none of them are in it, right? None of the ones. I have that are in no it. idea. I haven't seen. That's it. a different. That's a different deal. Completely yeah. different hey, formulation. <laughs> yeah, champions is it's uh, young Marvel heroes who are kind of outside of, uh, you know, the established, uh, you know, superheroes, right? So it's people like Miles Morales, um, you know, Miss Marvel, Silk, that kind of uh, thing. Kind of like so Miles new, Morales new is in six one six now. Yeah, he is after the uh, implosion. You know, the worlds colliding. Secret mm-hmm. Wars, is that, or, uh, uh, right? Secret Wars. Yeah, it was yeah. Secret War. War or Secret Wars? Yeah, they reused the title, but essentially the different universes were collapsing in on each other, and the Illuminati uh, leading up to this, they were. <laughs> Going to planets and <laughs> killing everybody yes. to stop stop the planet from crashing into the six one six Earth, and eventually they came up with a solution, which was Doom became the ultimate arbiter. Um, and uh, who lived and who died? Yep. Well, How many that... issues has the current Champions series 
run so far? Do you uh, know nine, but it was rebooted because uh, there was a Champions, uh, was it 2019? This is the second series. Um, the, the more Champions, uh, similar story to this was oh, 2015, maybe? Where they were plucking uh, the Game Master and another one of the uh, I don't want to call them Eternals. What are, what are the other titles again? Uh, Solar Hostiles? No, they're yeah. like Elders. Masters of the Universe. Elders of the Elders. Universe. Elders, yeah. yeah. That, they had a little a run there that was similar um, to this. Well, that original. sounds like Contest of Champions. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I've never well, been a big fan of these, these Champions books. I, I, you know, the new one's okay, but it's not the contest of champions or that yeah that that type of story but didn't they resurrect the defenders as well a few years back uh they right. did for like a little uh mini series but it's coming back again it was called the fearless defenders it was actually pretty good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the defenders are coming back again i think in november it's relaunching but as it with anything with Marvel, you know, you never know. Is that going to be? Because uh, sometimes they're up front and they say, well, it's five issue or six issue series, which is great. So then you know it's a little mini. And uh, other times uh, you just don't know. You know, like the 2019 champions ran for 10 issues and they're like, oh, reboot to a new number one. Well, it seems like nothing runs very long anymore before they reboot it to get that number one again. Well, also. They want they're just, you know, writing to the trade. So, you know, they, they you know, six issues and out or ten issues and out, you know. Yeah, some some of them have been like that. Uh some of them they don't mess with too much though. Like Amazing Spider Man I think is up to issue like seventy three or seventy four, which, you know, for Marvel that's pretty high right now. Yeah. Um Venom just hit thirty five. Uh, which was the 200th issue, Venom issue. And that was a really good one, but they're rebooting that one. So, you know, <laughs> take it for what it well, is. They did that with Spider-Man a lot. They would revert back to the original numbering when they hit like a milestone. When yep, it's like they did 800, for 800, like 800, 850. I'm sure we'll get another one at 900. Yeah. Which is fine. Yep, yep. So overall, you didn't like the burn issues, David. Burn's artwork is great, and of course, it's just this storyline or this type of story is really not. It's just not my cup of tea. Okay, that just this storyline or just team books and period. In no, general? like the the contest of champions style okay. type things. Like, oh, we're just gonna pluck all these people here and put them, mash them all together. It's like, eh. Similar to what we were saying at the beginning of this episode, when it's like, why, why does this group exist? Mm-hmm. Yep, and so I can see why, you know, it ran seventeen issues, and then they were like, they dropped it for lack of sales. I mean, it's just, where do you go with it? What do you do with it? I think I... it's, I think it's fine as a, um, you know, like a five or six issue, you know, mini. Sure. Where there's some kind of, you know, beginning, middle, and an end. But then you might as well just title it Secret Wars. Because essentially that's what it becomes then. 
You just yeah. grab everybody you want to play with out of the toy box, and you have your fun, and then you put everybody back. And that's that's the thing that always stuck with me on these ones is there's no stakes, really. Well, they they saved the entire galaxy in, in uh, two issues. Yeah, the the null life bomb is going to destroy everything. But would it? <laughs> <laughs> if, if it was a what if, it would. Oh, speaking of which, have you guys seen the what if? They're the, great. Uh, the two episodes. Yes. Very well done. I, 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 you know, I, I don't was... want to spoil anything for anyone. I did think the second one did a couple leaps that were just a little out there. Yeah, yeah I, but I, that I, was I... that. But that was just in service to Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, it, that was that episode was just pure fun and joy kind of thing. I think was what it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm hoping, and I think we've said this before, with so many of these movies and animated movies and shows is just pull from the dang comics like why wouldn't the first what if be what if the hulk or what if wolverine killed the hulk we you know i mean we because we don't have that yet we don't have the x-men in the mcu uh maybe they'll do that in a later you know iteration uh but right now the the thing is is that the stories that they're doing haven't been dark like the comics were. Those those original what if comics, for the most part, were the darkest. Oh, just you know. Yeah, the world came to an end, or somebody yeah. died. They were all yeah. downbeat. Yeah. Well, they were yeah, always very Twilight Zone what, ending. You had a yeah. yeah what, wasn't there wasn't there one of them for Days of Future Past too? Since we just covered that not too long ago, where it's like, what if they all died? Well, that might have been in a later. A later uh, volume. I don't think it was I in think, the first volume. I think it was like, what if the X-Men lost or something? You know, one of those things. Because I think there was a trial of Galactus, too, right? Yeah. What if, volume 2. Volume 2 I'm, seemed to be more than Volume 1 on that. But I'm, I'm sure that because this is, a, you know, uh, on TV series, that they're just going to pull from the cinematic universe. Because that's what most yeah. people who are watching TV are going to be referring to which is a shame so they're not going to they're not going to dive into the comics there might be some throws some easter eggs to a couple of comic things but i it just seems to me like it's it's what if marvel com marvel cinematic universe da 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 well yeah. the what ifs were always like a pivotal point in a story what if this happened let's go down that road right. not what if the Hulk was purple instead? It's like, no, we don't want to see that story. You know, well, I want to see some point where, like, what if Spider-Man had caught the burglar? Or what if uh, Aunt May had been killed? Those kind of stories, you know, where something diverges and you go a different path. Um, what if someone else had been bitten by the spider? Exactly. You know, yeah. what, yep. you know what? I mean, it's a shame that they have to pull from the MCU instead of the the comics themselves. And, well, and there's been speculation that, just like a Loki series, that they're using this as a vehicle to tie to into the yeah. yeah, you know, into the MCU, which, you know, is it's just disappointing. Well, it, right when it becomes instead of we're not going to tell a good story, we need to do something that's, uh, it's the means to an end. It's it's to we have to set this thing up. We have to introduce this character. We have to tell this thing instead of no, just tell us a good story. And if you go and do that in the meantime, then that's fine. If you can introduce that character or, or whatever you're going to do, uh, 
instead of it becoming more of a because some of these feel like I felt a little bit of that with Wanda that it was just just a setup for something else instead mm-hmm. of a, kind of a self-contained story. There was a what if, and I'm trying to remember which issue it was, where it was a backup story in it. And basically, Doctor Strange had come back from another dimension to find nothingness, just a white void of nothingness. And I think like the Living Tribunal and some other being showed up and basically the ultimate nullifier had been used. Mm-hmm. See, that's and a good so story. everybody, uh, everybody was gone. And, you know, basically, you know, everybody's, you know, the living tribunal and the, and, and the other ones are like, okay, well, we're going to go find some place to hang. And strange says, no, I'm defender of this realm. So I will stay here to defend it, you know, forever. At least, in, you know, until he has to go to the bathroom or needs a big Mac. But Ryan, are you thinking of the backup where, it's actually a follow-up to uh, what if 27, what if Phoenix had not died, and mm-hmm. Silver Surfer, Phoenix, and Doctor Strange yeah. all are there. Is that it, at the end of 27? Because I, I No, it's not at the end of 27. No, it's, no. it's a few issues later that they have, but it's the backup that is actually... Oh, oh no, it's not Phoenix. It's the Corvex Sava saga oh okay when when uh korvac took the silver surfer phoenix and dr strange off the table this is a backup story that says oh where are they they come back and find that korvac had nullified the universe and then what's going to happen and then i think silver surfer and phoenix went off to find other universes and i think that's where dr strange stayed there i can't remember exactly yeah but I, that's I, the that was that was just so, so messed up i'm going to stay here and well, and, some, uh, some of the images from the what if looks like they're going to do Marvel Zombies just from. No, yeah. looks, I know, but it looks like that. If you look at the like the the header for it, when it kind of it's all broken up, you kind of see different images and stuff. One of them looks like a zombie story. So they'll, I'm sure they like, will. The only Marvel Zombie story I want to see is what if the Marvel Zombies didn't happen? Right. Oh, come on. The first I, the first version of it was was pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, like the first, everything, they milked it to death. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> the first tongue-in-cheek miniseries, gee, that's a cute intro- concept. That was fine, but after that... Weren't those read by Kirkman before he ever did Walking Dead? No idea. I, I think so. He wrote, I thought he wrote yeah, the first Marvel I think Zombies. He did. Um, well, what do you say, guys? Have we thoroughly covered the champions? Oh, yeah. well, we we got to go through all six issues again with uh, with David so he can give us his thoughts. <laughs> That's called rewind and listen to it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I, I joined so late. I went to the, the thrashing bee that definitely thrashed me. It was a long day. No. It's always good to have you join at the end. Well, I got to tell you, my, my boss has texted me three times during this last hour session. They are calling me into work tonight. So. Uh-huh. Ooh, it's another six. Uh, yeah, because somebody quit and they haven't hired a replacement yet. So it's. Uh, Are you going to be on air? Can we tune in? Yeah, sure. If, if you want, you do just as well to tune into the national uh, six o'clock news and watch. I'm sorry, six thirty and watch the NBC coverage of the hurricane as it goes through. Um, you know, Manhattan, not Manhattan, Long Island, and. New England, because that's the major news story. Yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll find your uh, weather Twitter account 
if we're yeah. at the station, we'll pepper it with comic questions. You, you guys don't stream on the web, Kirk? <laughs> no, we do if you if you're interested enough. But we're a small market, and I don't. Um, I'm not going to fall. No false assumptions that it would be of interest to anybody. Well, Kirk, I, I got to say congratulations, and you deserve all the. Uh, uh, credit for your blood donations that you've done. You, you recently completed what? Is it 20 gallons? Is that right? That's right. Gallons with a G. That's Dang. Right. I mean, that is just, I, how long have you been doing that now? Since uh, the first pint was in the fall of 74, but then I was very sketchy and, and spotty until we came to Athens here in 19, the fall of 1989. So essentially all the 90s and the 2000s, the last 30 years. Wow. wow. Well, if I, if a, I go to the hospital, can I request some of that uh, Kirk blood? Sure you can. <laughs> you yeah, it's all positive. So, uh, You're a universal almost, donor? It's almost, but not quite. There are people who are, who are negative, yeah. uh, will not want my positive antigens or whatever it is. I, I can't explain it too clearly beyond that. Um, with any authority, but I'm O positive. The universal donor is O negative. But the most highly prized one is AB positive. Yeah, I think that's my wife. Um, I'm going to change subjects back to, we were talking about the what if with the Dr. Strange and all that. I found it. It is the backup story in uh, what if 43, what if Conan were stranded in the 20th century. And if you haven't read that one, it's actually a worthwhile read, both the uh, both stories in there. And that's volume one of the series? Yeah. So he's got the gun on the cover? One. Yes, in Bill Sienkiewicz yeah. cover. It's a great one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just the, the interaction between him and Captain America, it's kind of like across the first half of the story, it's almost like Scarface. But, uh, and, and of course, it's got the real funny moment where Conan robs the guy the guy gives him cash and coins and Conan is like looking at the coins going, now this, this I can spend. And he throws the cash away. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the second story, it's um, Mark Grunewald wrote and drew it. Mark Grunewald did the pencils on it. I knew he'd drawn some stuff over the years. It just, um, the art is, it's decent. It definitely presents the, uh, Thing. But yeah, Doctor Strange, Phoenix, Silver Surfer. Um, yeah, they're the only ones to survive. And it was, was it looks like it was the uh, Corvax saga. Captain America using the ultimate nullifier against Corvax. Cool. Well, any All final right. uh, any final thoughts on these six issues we've uh, covered? Rather quickly, but I thought... I'm, six, I'm six, amazed. Six. To me, they were just fun read, fun read, and just good times. Yep, they are, they are fun, and if you're a Burn uh, fan, then if you haven't read these, like I had, and it's, it's worth checking them out just for the artwork. Agreed. All right. Well. Well. All right. Well, what do you guys think? Um, <laughs> if you'd like to let us know what you think, and we really want to know what you think. We want you to write us either at our Gmail account, gottagetburned at gmail.com, or you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes. 
and we have not had a good review on there in a long time. If Uh-oh. you leave a review there, it, it, it opens up vistas for other listeners to find us. So please go out there to, to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Let us know what you love. Let us know what you don't like. Let us know what you'd like to change, even if it's my note. So, uh, you know, please do so. And uh, we'll be back uh, pretty soon. What are we doing next time? Do we have an idea, a thought? Colonel of uh, David, what do you think we should do next? Oh, boy, put the pressure on me. Um, I'm going to leave it as a su- do the homework too, you know? surprise. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we don't have to determine anything now. Also, if you as the listeners have something that you think we should do, write us, tell us, even if you, you respond to us on Facebook, we've got a, we've got a third degree burn group in Facebook, but we're also always peppering all the different John Byrne groups out there with our, uh, our, our show and, uh, questions. So, uh, please let us know. Well, thank you very much for uh, joining us for this look at the champions. It was kind of a uh, just an off-the-top-of-the-head whim uh, as we were looking for something, and I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as we have. I want to say thanks to the panel, starting with uh, Tim Elliott. Thank you. And Brian Hughes. Thank you. And John, help me with the last name again. Judge. Have a good uh, – oh, it's Hyatt, like the hotels. Okay. And David, thank you for joining us. We always appreciate you making time for us. And herp-a-derp to you, sir. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Kirk Greenfield. Thanks very much for joining us for Third Degree Burn. Good night. Swarm! Swarm! Swarm is my master! I am a worker! I work for Swarm! Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D, D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.